right. So I'll just I'll intro it, intro it, and then you can take it over. Okay. All right. Just doing the clap to. <laughs> yeah, I do clap. Louder, you got right. like. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Hollywood Video Guys podcast. As always, you're joined by your three hosts, Mike, Donnie, and Randy. All right. And uh, today we're also going to be joined by uh, Legion Gaming podcast own Ducey. Welcome, Ducey. Thanks for having me back. Uh, um, before we start, guys, any good movies you've seen lately? Anything? We're talking about well, quote unquote, uh, good. a lot of the ones yeah. we're going to talk about pretty <laughs> yeah. soon. Mentioned uh, quite a bit. Other than other than our topic, I um, did watch uh, a Perfect Murder the other night. Oh, is with that... Michael Douglas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a bit of a courtroom drama mood lately, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, I guess. And uh, that one's not really related to courtroom drama, but it was a pretty fun old movie from '98. Yeah, but it's like Michael Douglas being Michael Douglas, just him being a, a skeevy. <laughs> Goon, you know, <laughs> that's cool. You also watched The Time to Kill for the first time. I did. That that was a very good oh, core drama. That was movie. an intense what movie, it, though. What does Samuel Jackson say? Where he's like, "Hell yes, they deserve to die. And yeah. I hope they burn in hell." Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was a unexpectedly great movie. Yeah. I, and that had a huge star-studded cast too. There's a lot yep. of famous people in there: Kiefer Sutherland, Donald Sutherland, Samuel Jackson. Um, There's a lot of famous people in there. Who was the main character? Uh, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. And he was young then. That was like one of his first starting roles. I want to say it was like early 90s? Mm, It was mid 90s. -90s. I think it was like 96, 97. Oh, wow. Okay. It was was after Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. (laughs) I forgot about that movie. Um, I went, so I've seen a couple. Uh, The last one I watched last night was uh, the Please Don't Destroy movie, Legend of Foggy Mountain. It was, uh, I was telling the guys on the way up, it's like all of those. SNL movies we watched as kids, it's kind of the same idea. So if I was 13 and I watched it, I probably would have really liked it. It was fine. Like, it had really funny moments, but it was also kind of dumb at points. But it reminded me of a lot of, you know, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. And like, it's Pat. Yeah, or like all the Chris <laughs> oh, Farley. Um, Stuart Saves His Family. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. another one. Or, or like um, like the Chris Farley movies, you know. Like, it reminded me of a lot of those. So it was funny. It's So please don't destroy our... On, they're like these SNL group or group on snl who kind of do short videos aren't they writers too normally? yeah yeah and th- they remind me a lot of like our generation we had like the lonely island yeah when we were in our 20s and stuff and they're kind of like the gen z lonely island so they do a lot of those um between t- uh, skit videos and then so they gave them their own movie to do and the movie's pretty funny and uh conan uh o'brien is in it he plays like one of the kids dads and he's just so funny because he's just <laughs> hamming it up the whole time and just being conan the whole time um but it was pretty good i yeah i, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it any other movies guys uh, i've seen a couple we watched um totally killer oh yeah i did watch that a few weeks based back. on based on randy's suggestion mm-hmm. uh, so we saw mm-hmm. that i liked it too i liked it a lot i think my wife did it was fun and then uh, recently, last week, we went out and saw the Marvels. Oh yeah, I wanted to see. What, how'd you like it? I mean, it's fine if you go in knowing what you're gonna see. Yeah. Like it's definitely geared more towards a younger audience. Um, there's no, there's no issue with the wokeness or any of that no. yeah. stuff that's been uh, on the internet. But uh, the big, <laughs> the uh, what do you what would you say? The reason we went on a random Tuesday is they have the discount times. Oh yeah, and the tickets were like. 
six twenty five, which nice. I haven't seen in twenty years. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so we didn't care. We were like, yeah, sure, we'll sit down. the The theater wasn't that packed, and uh, we spent more on the the snacks, which was fine. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the complaints I heard about that movie, which wouldn't affect really any of us, maybe Don a little bit, is that you really have to have watched a lot of the TV shows to kind of understand the characters a little bit better because, like, they have Kamal Khan from the Miss Marvel show. They do then... They do a good job of throwing in a sentence here or there, uh, like Monica mentions how she got her powers in WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kamala mentions, like, her arm bangle thing, where it came from. Mm. Um, so, you, yeah, you don't have to watch thoroughly. Um, they, they do throw it out there. But that's also kind of a detriment, too, is, like, while you're watching and you've already seen those, it's just sort of rehashing, and you're like, okay, I get it. That was weird writing. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, the kind of the problem with like putting people from series that weren't in movies into these things. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you have to catch people up, but then all the people who are caught up are like, why are we wasting time on this? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, any other ones before we move on, guys? Feeling good? All right. I'm ready to talk about all the movies that I watched. I recently. know. Yeah. So uh, one. Yeah, of Randy's the... awfully quiet there for yeah. from for, for, for a different reason there. <laughs> so one of the reasons why we have uh, Deuce on the podcast today, other than the fact that we just love having him on the podcast, is that I would say out of our group, he is like the foremost expert on the subject that we will be doing today <laughs> or uh, going over today, which is uh, Bond films, James Bond films. I. I'm pretty good on James Bond films, but I'll tell you that the reason that I watched so many as I did was that I lived with Deuce for a while, and he had every single James Bond movie, and there was just a time where I just watched them all, because uh, I didn't have anything else to do. But I would say that you're, uh, out of all of us, like the expert of the group. Yeah, I don't know how I got that way. I guess it was just one of those things that you uh, fall down the rabbit hole and get fixated on. My dad was a huge Bond fan, so growing up, we had every VHS um, but I was too young at first to really watch them. I would just see them on our video cabinet. And then when Goldeneye came out for the N64, mm-hmm. I think that's how we all kind of got into this. Absolutely. And I watched Goldeneye the movie, and then I just started going back and watching all of his tapes. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you guys, what is your like earliest uh, memory of Bond that you can remember? And we can go with Randy uh, first. I'll tell you, it's actually James Bond Jr. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> just that, that cartoon. I mean, obviously, I knew who James Bond was, and I had seen like bits and pieces of those movies before then, mm-hmm. but never sat down and watched a full one. And I don't think I did watch a full Bond movie until GoldenEye. And then when the GoldenEye game came out later, which was, was like, what, two years later? Two years. Yeah, it was yeah. a two-year difference, which is crazy. And then, you know, getting that and getting the strategy guide and seeing, like, all the different Bond movies that were out. So I went back and rented a lot of them from, I think it was Blockbuster at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I watched, like, The Spy Who Loves Me and Root Moonraker, The Man with the Golden Gun and Goldfinger. A lot of, lot of the classics. A lot and of that's, more classics. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> a few Sean Connerys. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, Don? What was your first... So it's funny, the earliest memory I have of James Bond is my dad bought, uh, it was called a CES player, I believe, from my neighbors. That's sort of the uh, precursor to Laserdisc. They were on records in these plastic cases. So you had to, it was almost like a pizza. You had to put it in the machine, right, to eject the record in there, the movie record, pull it out. And I don't know why it stuck with me. I remember seeing, I think it was, what was the movie with Baron Samity in it? Oh, uh, Live and Let Die. So I think that was it because I remember them going through like this 
jungle kind of thing or something yeah and then we also had moonraker which i don't remember much of but even then like that was just the earliest memory i had i don't recall really seeing the movies yeah but it really just started with like you guys where we got goldeneye and that really set everything in motion because then i'd watched the movie i'm pretty certain after i'd gotten the game yeah, yeah. i think i'd gotten the game because it looked so good yeah <laughs> so good. yeah yeah and then we we you know we probably rented goldeneye and then that's kind of what you know I, i'm more of like the modern bond because of goldeneye like i've seen mm-hmm. very few of the original ones mm-hmm. But it was definitely the start with with Goldeneye and, and the N sixty four. What about you, Deuce? What was your you kind of said it? What was your earliest memory for? Um, kind of actually, James Bond Junior. Like like oh, was that on the USA Network? Yeah, okay. I believe it was. I do remember that scene more than anything. Yeah, yeah I always I never really watched too many episodes. I would always change it after the theme song. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, Goldeneye came out on the N sixty four, and I didn't. I didn't get it because it was Bond. I just got it because it looked cool, mm-hmm. like an like an FPS. And then I really got into it, and I happened to see Goldeneye on TV. It was like on USA or <laughs> yeah something. Wow. And my mom at the time was like, "Are you sure you should be watching this?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's- <laughs> I'm old enough. I'm like 12 by this point." Fomke Jensen killing somebody with her thighs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after that, then I was hooked. Then I saw like Tomorrow Never Dies. I couldn't wait for Tomorrow Never Dies to come out. Yeah. And then I started, like I said, going back and watching them because we had them on VHS this whole time, and I never really cracked them until then. Yeah, That's I- right. Drummer's senior collection. Yeah. Back then, your house. Yeah. I think yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies may have been the first Bond movie I saw in theaters wow. coming off of Goldeneye. Yeah. Goldeneye. I didn't see in theaters, saw it on video or pay-per-view or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah, my first uh, Bond movie ever was Live and Let Die. I saw that when I was like eight or nine. My mom really liked it, and she I think she liked Wings, really, was the reason why. <laughs> so she really liked the theme song for it, which is a great theme song. But um, So I, I saw that one first, and I really liked it. I thought it was ridiculous at times, but, you know, as a kid, you're like, this is cool, man. He's jumping alligators and things like that. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, like, like you guys all said, Goldeneye came out. And I definitely remember playing Goldeneye a lot. I did not actually see Goldeneye until many years later, like four or five years after it came out, like a long time. I, the first Pierce Brosnan Bond that I saw was Tomorrow Never Dies. And I saw it in theaters and I loved it. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's weird because I think now it's getting a little bit more love than it did when it first came out. It, was, it wasn't like a, a, a failure or anything, but it wasn't like as successful as Goldeneye. Yeah. And uh, the thing about it now is like it was really cool. It had a really cool p- premise concept. I really liked Michelle Yeoh in it. Um, but that was my first one. And then obviously all the other Brosnan ones I checked out. And then when Daniel Craig came and became the new Bond, his were awesome and amazing. Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah. So before we dive into what we're actually doing today, we're going to get a little bit of a back history on Bond. So Bond, uh, James Bond, the character in the, in the books, was created by a guy named Ian Fleming. Um, he was the original Bond uh, creator, author. He wrote a bunch of books. Uh, and Bond is like an intelligence officer in the secret intelligence service for the Royal Navy, uh, which is a part of like the United Kingdom's military service. And Fleming based the fictional creation on like a bunch of different people that he worked with in World War II. And a little on himself, too, Honestly, right? Yeah, a little bit of himself, yeah. Kind of all rolled into one bunch of different people that he knew. He kind of made an amalgam of, of this and like the things they've done. And so a lot of those books were like based off of either like Cold War things or World War II type things because that's what he knew. Fleming wrote 12 Bond novels and two short stories. And me- most of those Bond novels got turned into movies or their, their names got taken for movies. Eon Production. I think it's Eon or e- Aeon. Eon. Yeah, Eon, 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 I think, Eon. technically. Yeah. Um, so they they were the company that kind of financed the first Bonds move, Bond movies. Albert 
Broccoli, I think is his name. Or broccoli. Broccoli. Is yeah. it just broccoli? Okay. It really is. I thought it was like this Italian broccoli, but it's, the whole time it was just <laughs> I, I like you're like, it can't it be that simple. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really it's what like it was. Steve Weeb and Steve Weeb yeah. Yeah. all over again. <laughs> Mr. Broccoli. <laughs> so he was the, he was kind of the financial producer, backer producer for these movies. And his first one was, the first one they made was Dr. No, starring... Oh my gosh, starring Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. I was about to say this. something else. This. Yeah, <laughs> starring Sean Connery. Uh, Sean Connery ended up becoming the main Bond guy for six films. He left for a little bit, came back and did a couple more. But he did six Bond movies altogether. A lot of like the mannerisms and the things we know about Bond as characterizations all came from Sean Connery. Um, and he, it was, a, it was a pretty quick success. Dr. No had a very small budget, but made a lot of money. And then uh, the next one after that, I believe was from Russia with love was, yeah. and that made a ton of money. And then they, he just started hit after hit with these uh, Sean Connery bond movies. What's amazing is that the first four are only a year apart. Yeah. Each. And like you talk about like fatigue now with certain series and things, but back then they were like, yes, can't wait for yeah, next year. More bond. Yeah. <laughs> there also just wasn't many movies at the time. No, yeah. but if there was a movie, it was a big project. But even then, a year apart for a full movie production is pretty insane. Yeah, like that's that's all. That's some quick shooting and editing and everything else they had to do to produce I'm it. I'm sure that's a reason why he was not in Honor Majesty's Secret Service was just he general got, burnout from yeah. doing Bond. That's totally fair. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, uh, Sean Connery did six of these movies with a break in between. I think he did three, well, uh, five. Well. Didn't he do three first? Then he did four. Four, and then, then there was okay. Honor Majesty's Secret Service with Lazenby. Yeah, then Connery came back for Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, so he did uh, four at first, and then took a break. And George Lazenby, who was like a um, model at the time, wasn't really an actor, but he took oh, over no, the role. There's five. You only live twice. Was right before. Oh, you. Oh, that's Honor right. Majesty. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Um, and then George Lazenby took over and did Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which is really underrated, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. After that, uh, Connery did come back for Diamonds Are Forever, and then he left again. They paid him a buttload yeah. to get him back on that yeah, one. Uh, they, <laughs> and then Roger Moore took over for seven films. Yeah. And in between, Sean Connery did another Bond movie that was not produced by Eon and was a remake of Thunderball? Is that yeah. Right? yeah. It was it's basically was, a retelling of it, Never well, Say Never, never Again. S- yeah, and it was in the late 70s, early 80s. It was, early 80s. Yeah. It was early like, 80s. It was around the time we were born, cl- It almost. went up against, I want to say, Octopussy. Yeah, it was one of those. Roger Moore was still cranking him out yeah. when he did that. So that's another Connery, though it's kind of weird. Sometimes people put it outside of the canon because, one, it's a remake, and it's also not produced by the same people. Yeah. And So anyway, um, so after Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, took over for two films and uh it had a much more gritty bond kind of that late 80s action style schwarzenegger stallone van damme kind of style of action and then bond kind of left for about a decade uh where they weren't doing any bond stuff at all he uh yeah it went into a lot of who owned the rights and the licenses and mgm was getting bought out or buying people out and an eon and united artists was was throwing their hat in the ring and everything so it just was in total flux because Timothy Dalton was on his way to do even more than two. Yeah. And then it just sort of petered out and then they picked up Brosnan. Yeah. So, so was that a result, like the last movie not make that much money or was it not successful or it something? Was or was it just literally... successful Bond movie well, of all time. No, it was like, it was really, it had nothing to do with Bond. It was all because of MGM. So, and, so yeah, all that rights. just precipitated the, the pause. And, and it, yeah. it precipitates till this day. Even. Yeah, There's it does. still all of these legal issues that keep Bond from being able to be like easily 
you yeah, know, you know, released. There's <laughs> that's why even with Daniel Craig, who is the current Bond, well, former current Bond, I guess he's done now. But uh, that's why those movies sometimes had a l- super long gap between them. Yeah. yeah, was because they were just trying to get the rights to certain things, <laughs> and there was just all these legal battles over different studios just to get these movies out, which is which is kind of a bummer because it does kind of ruin the the character a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, that long pause did get us to get P- uh, Pierce Brosnan, who I think is a great Bond. He ended up doing four films. Uh, starting with GoldenEye and all the way through to Die Another Day. And then our newest and latest Bond is Daniel Craig, who has done five films, and he just finished his last. He's done now with uh, No Time to Die. So those are those are the guys who played Bond. Some of the things that you'll always see in Bond movies are obviously Bond. <laughs> yeah. You'll have Q, who's like the person who creates his gadgets and is like the, it stands for quartermaster, and it's like the person who makes his weapons and things for his spying. You'll have M. M's kind of his boss. Yep. Um, I don't know what that stands for, but it stands for something. Uh, well, Mallory was uh, the name on uh, yeah. the latest M. Yeah. You have Money Penny, who's kind of like the secretary of M. She mm-hmm. kind of comes and goes throughout. Like sometimes she won't be in movies, sometimes she will, but she always like flirts with Bond and kind of understands who Bond is yeah. as a person. Sometimes and, she wants him to go. She wants to go home with him. Sometimes yeah. she wants to shoot him, and she yeah. does shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's usually some megalomaniac villain. Yep. He usually has some type of crazy henchman with some type of interesting quirk about his character that makes him an interesting henchman. And Border, then borderline comic book. Yeah, like. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're definitely a heavy. And then they'll, they'll be like a Bond girl or multiple Bond girls. Someone that Bond falls in love with who will There's help him on his adventure. A good one, a bad one, and a dead one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that formula is really... Um, seen throughout the movies there's a ton of them it's like mm-hmm. all of them always hit those formulas for the most part you usually see them constantly throughout bond movies except in the uh, the craig movies they kind of shy yeah. away and they slowly introduce like movie by movie they would incorporate new, some other cliche and bring it in yeah. yeah like q wasn't in either casino royale or quantum of solace mm-hmm. he wasn't yeah. introduced until Til skyfall. skyfall yeah uh and and for the good and the bad, I guess, of that is is true. But anyway, so what we decided to do for this episode was we all decided to pick one Bond movie that we think is the best Bond movie out of all of the series. And that's going to cover, what What did I say? Like, so what, 20 movies almost? 25. 25, 25 <laughs> movies of different Bonds. We all picked one. And, you know, I didn't discuss this before, so we can do a little bit of discussion now. Do you guys want to do it in chronological order, or do you guys care, like, what order we do it in? Does I was, it matter? I was thinking chronological. Chronological sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I don't, uh, clockwise, if we say that, how does the viewer going to know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listener, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. One, one day, viewer, we'll get some cameras in here at some point. Do a so, live stream. There you go. Yeah, there you go, man. Um, so we'll go in... in a chronological order and that would mean that I would start first so the movie that I picked for this is The Spy Who Loved Me Double seven triple X Bond what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up sir Nobody does all right, so The Spy Who Loved Me stars uh, Bond actor Roger Moore. It is directed by Lewis Gilbert, who actually directed three other Bond movies. Hmm. It had a budget of $13.5 million and made $185 million worldwide. And the basic premise of the movie is that British 
the British and Russian militaries are really surprised when the main villain of the movie has somehow made these submarines disappear. And the only link is a microfilm detailing the movements of the British submarine, meaning that somehow a submarine can be tracked via its wake. So the British send their special agent, James Bond, and the Russians send their special agent, Anya Asimova, otherwise known as Triple X, <laughs> after um, uh, to find out what happened to these submarines. After fighting each other for a little bit, the two agents are ordered to work together against the real enemy, mad shipping billionaire Carl Stromberg. He plans to use the submarines to destroy the world via nuclear missiles so that any survivors are forced to live in Stromberg's dream uh, world beneath the sea. However, James must also defend himself against Anya as she finds out that James had killer had killed her lover on a previous mission. So that's the basic premise of uh, of this movie, and I think that there's a lot of reasons. What? Well, I, let me, you know what? Let me go back a little bit. What was your guys' initial like? Um, uh, like, how did you guys like the movie when you first watched it? Your your initial reactions to it? Um, it's funny, is because I first watched it around the time that we were talking about earlier, where it was one of those movies that I rented from mm. Blockbuster at the time. So when I watched it again, I was thinking, like, is this the first time I've seen this one? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Jaws is in this one. So, yeah, I've seen this before. And I'm like, ooh. You know, I was kind of almost a little bit dreading it. Like, I'm not sure if I'm in the mood, the right frame of mind for this movie right now and how cheesy it's going to be. But it ended up just, like, hitting all the – checked all the boxes. And I really had a good time with it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself, even though there was times where it's cheesy. But it, it's just so good. Great henchmen. Like an okay-ish villain, uh, mm. great lair, great Bond girl, mm-hmm. and Ro- uh, Roger Moore just—he had the the smoothest lines in all, of all the Bonds. Yeah, what do you think, Don? I haven't seen this one. Oh my goodness! No, this is one of the old ones I haven't seen. Uh, so, no. so this is all new to me. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll teach you a lot. Yeah, Deuce, what did you think of it? Uh, I'm in the same boat as Randy. I watched it a long time ago when I was first starting to get into all of them, and. I didn't remember a whole lot. I rewatched it recently and I didn't, I just remembered that Jaws was in it. I remembered Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, I remembered the water base and the subs where they were taken. Um, but then rewatching it, I really started to understand more of the plot. Like he had killed her, her lover on the former mission. Mm-hmm. And I also started to understand that, oh, she's basically his equal just in Russia. And so that really, that really helped me enjoy it more. I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. It's funny how they were going back and forth, taking that microfilm, like he had it, then she had it, then like, um, and then they were both trying to uh, impress their bosses. Like, no, I knew this about the, Mm -hmm. about Stromberg and I knew this. Um, And like you said, the, the main villain, he wasn't over the top, which was okay. Like he was just a guy who had the means to destroy the world. Yeah, you would have liked a little bit more character development with him where you kind of yeah. understood it more, but it was just like, I'm bad, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, and he was, uh, he didn't even really say why he wanted to create this underwater utopia. He just, yeah, he just, he just knew that the world was going to destroy itself and he might as well run a new city underneath. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah he had a very similar motives to the very next Bond villain in, in Moonraker, yeah. where they're going to poison like 
humans on the planet. In the meantime, he's got a colony of people that are just going to chill up in space until it's safe to go back down and repopulate the planet. What's weird? It was like in the 70s, they were really just trying to trash on these eco-terrorists, I suppose. Yeah. In that one, though, I think he's... In Moonraker, he's trying to create like a superior race. Yeah. Yeah. And in this one, he... It wasn't trying to create superior people. He was just like anybody who wants to survive, come down. Yeah, come down to my city. <laughs> yeah. So I picked this one specifically because I think out of every Bond movie I've ever watched, this one is the most Bond. And so when I was thinking of the idea of this picking the best Bond movie, I don't know if this is the best movie. It probably isn't. But it might as be far, the best Roger Moore. It, it is a hundred percent. I think it's, it's yeah. hundred percent his best one. A hundred percent. Like not even close. Uh, it's definitely Roger Moore's best movie. And in general, I think as far as like what Bond is, it ticks every box. Like Randy was saying, there's just, it's got a, a great henchman in Jaws. Mm-hmm. It's got a megalomaniac bo- uh, boss. It's got a, a, an awesome Bond girl, maybe one of the best Bond girls in all of Bond. It has uh, cool gadgets, a great car, though it's not the Aston Martin DB, uh, DB5 or DPS or Vantage, hmm. but it's still a great car. It's got a cool, like cool scenes, cool set pieces, great action, great one-liners from Bond. Um, so that's why I picked it, and, and arguably one of maybe the best theme song. Like, yeah, it's it's in the running, that's for sure. Yes, nobody does it better. Or, uh, baby, baby, you're the best. What is it? Nobody yeah, does, nobody it, does better. it better. Yeah, nobody yeah. does it better. By Carly Simon is it, one of, if not the best, Bond songs that ever made. Um, and so yeah, that's again hits all of those boxes of like what's great about Bond. So, so, Mike, this is a bit of a loaded question since, uh, I mean, you guys kind of touched on it, but what would you guys kind of put for guardrails as far as what makes Bond, Bond? Like when you kind of say, you know, this actor or this movie d- portrays Bond better than another one would. Yeah. So when I think of like what makes a good Bond movie and kind of like we'll get into this with other ones that you guys have picked. But what I think makes Bond good is one, uh, the actor who plays Bond has to be consistently like in, in the state of um, I'm a, I'm the best at everything I do at all times and I'm never like no matter what the situation is I'll get out of it and I'm gonna be awesome <laughs> so that's one thing about Bond that I think uh, is like that confidence I was gonna say confidence is a great supreme word and, confidence. And, supreme and confidence. whatever the, the equivalent of suave would be yeah, right yeah mm-hmm. all at all times smooth smooth uh, one liners for every like great one liners for anything that can happen yeah. no matter how terrible the situation or the worst thing that's happening that most human beings would be like oh my god I can't believe I'm experiencing this he just has the best one liner for whatever's <laughs> going on yeah he's like perfectly quick witted for the situation yeah. but you don't you don't want him too cartoony or over the top where you're rolling your eyes yeah and yeah. there's a couple of times where, where I did that in this one <laughs> where I'm like oh gosh <laughs> uh, but that's so that's one uh, Bond girl has to be obviously beautiful uh, but competent I think if you get a Bond girl who just is a damsel in distress the whole time that you kind of get over it pretty quickly mm-hmm. so uh, that's another thing great gadgets I think you have to have I think for a real Bond movie to be a really good Bond movie like to Bond it has to have gadgets in it because that's what he's known for um, so I would say that and then car chases at some point shootouts at some point yeah action scenes what, uh, yeah do the extra what do you think uh is? also i would say the villains mm-hmm. have to be they have to be really world domination types yeah and then henchmen have to be kind of like the the sub boss that's harder than even the main boss like mm-hmm. to put it where you'll understand they have to be goro yeah <laughs> no, 100%. that's exactly what they are yeah, they have to goro. be threatening but not the most threatening yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. totally fair yeah 
anything else you would add to like what would make a good Bond movie, Randy? You think that's all pretty good? Oh, I, I think we got it. I mean, obviously yeah. the just the chemistry between Bond and and the girls. The Bond girl. I think yeah. that's the big thing. Well, just in general with any movie, right? You want to have those yeah. actors with with chemistry between them, so that it's it's more believable and you yeah. know it makes an entertaining movie. Yeah, and the and I would say too that the bad guy has to have some type of weapon that is, if it's not world destruction, world changing in some way. Mm. You know, like well, I, and that makes Bond uh, have to do what he does. And then I would also say that like something with the Cold War, but that kind of goes away once the Cold War is over. Mm-hmm. Kinda, but that would be the staple of the Bonds from the beginning until yeah. about the mid-70s. Um, all right. So now we're going to go over some of my, my favorite scenes in the lines or your favorite scenes in the lines from this movie. Um, and so the first one we're going to start with is what I think is maybe, if not the best opening to a Bond movie, one of the best. And that's when Bond is getting called back to MI6 or MI, MI5. MI6. MI6. And so he has to leave this like palatial mountain estate <laughs> and go skiing down the side of this mountain for some reason. Like, <laughs> why didn't he just have a car? But whatever. So he's going down this mountain and he actually ends up getting chased by some KGB henchmen. And he, the first thing that he does is cool is one, the skiing scenes are really cool. Other than when it closes up on yeah, Roger Moore. And, and he's, he's just sort of, yeah, he's just kind of shimmying back yeah. and forth. <laughs> but the actual like scenes when it's the real person doing the stunt, it's really cool stunt. Uh, when he turns around and shoots the guy with the uh, he ski has a pole gun. freaking rocket in that. I thing. know. It blows <laughs> the dude's back out. And yeah. Um, and then it has probably one of the more iconic scenes where Bond jumps off the side of the cliff and you th- it's like three three or four seconds where he's just falling and you're like oh is he gonna just land this or something like yeah. what is gonna happen here and then right before you think he's gonna hit the bottom parachute comes out huge union jack bond song plays i heard um and you see it in the opening credits when the song's playing that there is like a specific there's the stunt actors and then mm-hmm. there's a specific skier oh yeah they who say. pulled off that stunt and it was like a world record jump for the longest yeah. time yeah, it cost $250,000 to make that whole scene. Jeez. Wow. Uh, but it, it, like I said, it goes down as, but it, it quite literally goes down as one of the best opening scenes in all of Bond. So besides that, what were some of your guys' favorite scenes, Randy? Well, actually, one of my, the line, it, the line's okay, but just my initial reaction to it right before that is where M's like conversing, was it with Money Penny? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and basically like about Bond's location, and it's like, well, tell him to pull out immediately. And, oh, yeah. And my immediate thought yep. was, LOL, Bond never pulls out. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> Any other scenes before we go um, on? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, pretty much every scene with Jaws in it was really yep. entertaining. Yeah, he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had like three specific scenes. They have a fight inside of like a... I don't know, the ruins of a pyramid or basically, or like the ruins of some Egyptian area. Oh, yeah. And Bond, like, or, uh, uh, Jaws, like, literally destroys this van, like, basically just <laughs> with his bare hands, like, rips it apart and eats it and stuff. He um, has an entire, like, stone column, like, fall on his head or something. And, and then he just. Oh, no, dusts- on his foot. Yeah, on his foot. <laughs> <laughs> I love how every time you think he's down and out, he just gets up and he literally just brushes off his jacket. Yeah. And keeps walking. <laughs> yeah. So he has that fight. He has a fight on a train where Bond uh, gets him with like the light, like a the lamp, light, the lamp that yeah. he breaks and gets it into his teeth. And then he has the fight uh, towards the end in the submarine base. Yeah. How about you, Deuce? Any big scenes you remember that you liked? I really enjoyed the just the whole aspect of how the subs were caught and brought up board that giant tanker. It was cool. And then. Uh, yeah, who just swallowed up from the front. And then when they're leaving, they just fire a torpedo from the, <laughs> the sub to blow open the front of the ship. 
Um, I did enjoy all the the Jaws scenes, and the, especially the one on the train where I completely forgot what was coming. <laughs> so when she opens the closet and he's there, scary. I was like, "How did he? First of all, how did he fit in there? Yeah, <laughs> how long has he been in there?" And then like I had a literal jump scare. I was like, "Oh, that's right." <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of, there's a couple of scenes I really like. One of the things I do really like is the Bond girl in this Triple X. She's like, ba- like, like Deuce was saying, basically like Bond's rival in the KGB. She's just as great an agent, has accomplished just as much as him. So before this, a lot of the Bond girls were typical, like damsels in distress or kind of just tagging along and just trying not to die. It's like even if they were a scientist or they knew something about the enemy, they would get captured. Yeah, and (laughs) she was the only one. She's the first one where she's really his equal. She's not a, a sidekick, really. She's not a hanger-on. She's his equal. She's And you think, uh, they even make you think, oh, she's just going to be a typical Bond girl when they just start, like, making out. Oh, yeah. And then you realize that was all a ruse just to get him to, uh, she gave him, like, sleeping gas or something like that. With her cigarette. With her cigarette, that's yeah. right, yeah. And then he, he passes out. And she steals the microfilm from him. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. Yeah. All right, cool, <laughs> cool. Because you think, oh, man, really? He's going to make out with her like within 10 minutes? She seems yeah. so much cooler than that. So one of the other things that's in this movie that I was going to touch on is the Lotus uh, car that he had. So he has a usually Bond up until that point had an Aston Martin, either a DB5 or a Vantage. And in this one, he has a Lotus Esprit, which is really cool car it's a really it's not obviously not as good as the aston martin but it's a really cool car and the chase scenes in it are awesome they do a chase scene through like the italian countryside Mm. and there's a scene where there's a motorcycle with a sidecar chasing him and the sidecar is actually a missile yeah that they launch from the side of the motorcycle and it it's actually a guy i, I read about it it's actually a guy inside of that sidecar who's piloting it oh awesome yeah yeah so it's actually somebody in there but the coolest part obviously with that is is when it goes and dumps to uh, drop jumps off of a cliff into the water and then it turns into a submarine yeah and it was the coolest look <laughs> it, it was the coolest transition it looked really like Clearly, it was a submarine. Like, they, they put a body of an Esprit around a submarine. But it was a really cool visual. It looked really good. It it, went, it was pretty flawless in how they executed it, and I thought it was awesome. What did you guys think of that Bond car? Uh, I liked it. I'm not as much of a car guy as, like, you and Deuce would be. But I definitely noticed the, the Lotus immediately. I had read that um, the maker of Lotus wanted... It was, like, brand new that year. Yeah. They wanted to get it in the film... So he like drove up and the producers and everything saw the car and they had no idea what it was because it hadn't been out on the market yet. Yeah. And then the guy just drove off in it and all of a sudden the producers were like, we need that in our film. Yeah. Go yeah. find that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He just parked it outside of the production. Hall. Yeah. yeah. Just to like show them off, show it off. And then they tried to use it for a while and they just could not get it to work right. They, they couldn't do the stunts right. It was always spinning out. So they ended up getting one of Lotus's testers, the guys who, who would test those cars to go in and drive. And he ended up being the main stunt driver for the rest of the movie. And it shows how much of a command he has over that car. Cause they do some really cool um, stunts with it. Yeah, they do like full on donuts to get away from the mm-hmm. the helicopter. And then I really liked when it went into the sub mode and then uh Agent Triple X like also knew how to yeah. use things and she goes, We've had these plans for from you guys for three years. Like, yeah. That's what yeah. Oh, we'd sorry. already spied on you for that. Yeah, that was uh that was one of the nice things about Triple X too, is that she always was the smartest person in the room like bond was like bond would name her thing and then he 
she would name his martini drink and yeah. how he liked it and how she had, he had a wife at one point and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, which was a very sore subject right there. Yeah, he's like, her. okay, that's enough. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which is always kind of how it goes whenever she, Bond's wife is brought up until the Daniel Craig movies, obviously. But yeah, when it just yeah. got retconned because yeah, they redid everything. Up yeah. until that point, they would always bring, like, it wouldn't always happen, but some part would probably bring up the fact that he had a wife and he would always, that would be like the one thing that Bond would be vulnerable about. Mm-hmm. And he'd never let anything get to him. But if somebody brought that up, he'd be like, I don't want to talk about that. So the next thing we're going to talk about are some of the lines because there's some pretty amazing lines in this. Deuce, I'm going to let you do the one that you told us on our way up from Q, which I think is a great one. Where in the- oh, yeah. When the, when he gives Bond the gadgets and the car to start using in Italy and uh, and Bond responds with like, have I ever let you down before? And Q just goes, frequently. Yeah. <laughs> which is a, such a Q, a Q thing to do, which yeah. is so great. I love that line. There's, I mean, there's just a ton. There's one where James is fighting these guys and he eventually gets the upper hand on this one guy, and he's holding holding him by his tie while oh, the guy's yeah. like almost almost falling off of the side of this building. And Bond is trying to question him, and he's like, "Where is Feckish?" Is the guy he's trying to find? And the, and the the guy finally says like pyramids, and then Bond just like chops his uh, his tie, karate chops him. Yeah, off the <laughs> yeah. And the dude falls off the back, and then he says he's like, "What a helpful chap!" And then like goes <laughs> on. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, there was another one. Um... When the the guy keeps offering Bond like basically his concubine or whatever they are, like, oh yeah, and finally he's convinced, and it's like, well, one one is in Egypt, one should delve deeply into its treasures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so the the way this movie ends up working out is that they're trying to find where these subs are, and they find out that this bad guy has actually stolen them, both a Russian and a British sub, and they go on a U.S. sub because they realize that that's going to be the next target. Mm. And the and the U.S. sub does end up getting taken, and the third act is just chaos. There's like it feels like 150 extras at yeah. one point, and there's giant battles going on, and guns are blazing all over the place, grenades are being thrown. Eventually, the bad guy was even able to launch two nukes that were going to go and hit Russia and America and start a war, but Bond's able to recalculate it so that they just fall in the water. No, on, no, or no, 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 they hit, don't fall hit in the, the other two subs. They, they, hit, the yeah, subs. they hit the subs. That's right. Yeah. They hit each other, uh, saving the day. And Bond and Triple X, one of the things throughout the movie is that Triple X finds out that Bond was the person who killed her lover, her like her basically her husband is the best way to put it. You, like, you think she, he was the guy that got just blasted on the about? They heavily imply that that's who it was. <laughs> and Bond even kind of says that. So she's kind of kind of saying that like I'm I'm gonna kill you when I see you again. And he goes, he goes like, which bullet, uh, which bullet has my name on it, the first or the last? And, and she goes, I've never failed on a mission, Commander, any mission. And he goes, that in that case, Major, one of us is going to end up gravely disappointed because I never have either. <laughs> and she ends up putting the gun down and making passionate love to him inside <laughs> of the escape pod submarine at the end of the movie. And that has probably the best line, I would say maybe in the whole movie, where, <laughs> but, so... M and his Russian counterpart go to this submarine and they're Bond and Triple X are in the middle of having sex. Like they're in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> and M's like, oh man, 007. And, and KGB officer's like, Triple X. And then uh, M goes, what are you doing, Bond? And he says, keeping the British end up. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how it ends. And then it cuts to... Yeah. Fade to black. Yeah, that's all they need. 
That's all you need. So overall, like, what do you guys, I don't know if you have to grade it, but like, overall, what are your your main thoughts about this movie? What do you think about it being the best Bond movie? Or, what, you know, what do, what do you guys think? Um, I definitely thought very highly of it, considering I went in with very low expectations. And um, I wouldn't say it's like the greatest Bond movie, but it checks all the boxes probably more than any other Bond movie I can think of, where it, it does have top tier everything. It maybe the main villain isn't quite top tier, but um, his henchman sure is. His lair say, definitely yeah. is. The Bond girl is. The song is. The it, it's got and it's just got some good stuff. Yeah. What about, what about you, Deuce? Yeah, I would definitely say it's the best Roger Moore one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be. I mean, I, I'd put it in my top ten. Easily. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty easily in my top ten, maybe top five. Yeah. I, so the reason why I chose it as the best is quite simply because if I'm thinking about Bond movies and Don kind of uh, alluded to like all of the things that a Bond movie needs, I think this movie has all of them at its best. I think, like you said, a best henchman, best Bond girl, best song, gadgets are cool. I think that I think the only drawback is probably the bad guy who just seems like Blowfield and, and but just a different name. Yeah, like same kind of mannerisms and everything, and kind of same megalomania. Uh, but his layer is cool. A lot of cool practical effects. Like I said, the gadgets and cars are cool. The ending is crazy. It's got one of the best openings ever. It just, as far as if I'm trying to pick the best Bond movie ever, it, that's why I picked this one, is because I think as far as a Bond movie goes, it has all of the best things of Bond. So I don't know if it's the best. It's definitely not the best movie ever, but it's yeah. the best Bond one. I, I'd put it up against any other one and say that it's the best, yeah. Any other final thoughts before we move on from nope. Spy Who Love Me? I think we're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. So- well, travel man. You did all right at the tables tonight. I had the feeling my luck was about to change. Well, it's a wise gambler who knows when his luck is run out. Why this? In my business, you prepare for the unexpected. And what business is that? I help people with problems. Problem solver. I'm more of a problem eliminator. All right, the next movie up is going to be License to Kill, and this is Deuce's pick for Best Bond Movie, so I'm going to have him take it away. Thank you. Uh, yeah, License to Kill was 1989, and it was Timothy Dalton's second movie. Um, I picked this one because, I mean, we'll... We'll probably hear later about Daniel Craig and the new generation of Bond. And this was definitely Daniel Craig before Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go into the synopsis is pretty pretty straightforward for a Bond movie. Uh, Fran Sanchez is a drug kingpin in Central and South America. And his, I mean, he seems to own everything down there. They don't name a specific country. But uh, they definitely say he runs everything. And he's trying to break into the U.S. and uh, Eastern markets, even though we're still in the Cold War at this point. Um, CIA agent Felix Leiter is Bond's like best friend. And he's trying to work with the DEA to stop Franz from getting a foothold in America. And he wants to uh, arrest him. And they do it on Felix's wedding day. And uh, they do apprehend Sanchez, but he immediately breaks free because he's got all the control and he can bribe anybody. And to get revenge, he, he takes Felix 
and he kills Felix's wife, and then he really maims him, and it pisses Bond off, and Bond not retires. What, what do I want to say? He, well, he gets his license to kill revoked. Well, yeah, he, we, yeah, because he was supposed to go to another mission. He wasn't supposed to pay any attention to Sanchez anymore. That wasn't a British thing. Yeah, he resigns. I yeah, guess. so yeah, he <laughs> resigns with a kick to the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, now he goes on a revenge tour to to get back at Sanchez for uh, what he did to Felix. Yeah, uh, I love this movie. By the way, I was gonna say I, I had never, I had only seen it one time before this, and I don't even really remember it. Uh, so I watched it re- like maybe a couple weeks ago when we first said we were gonna do this, and I was like, man, this is awesome. From like basically from beginning to end, it's awesome. It's an awesome flick. What do you think about it, Randy? Um, it was different. I'll say that it yeah. felt like I'm not saying that in a bad way. I just mean it was of the time because this felt like, you know, James Bond presents Miami Vice. Or, it, it, yeah. In, in a lot of respects, it did to me. And it just that was a different vibe that I was used to from James Bond movies. It's very of its era. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 So the main bad guy is basically like a Pablo Escobar yep. stand in. Yeah. And the uh, only thing I remember him from is like the Goonies. <laughs> oh yeah, so uh Franz uh is played by Robert Davy, who was in the Goonies and he was also in Die Hard. He was one of the That's two right. FBI yeah, Johnsons. Yeah. Yeah, he was with the gun and the helicopter. Yeah. I was gonna say uh the reason I actually enjoy this movie is kind of like the opposite of what Ryan did because I liked that it was kinda of like Mammy Vice and it was it oh, felt yeah. like an eighties movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I liked it too, but it was just so it, wildly different well, from what it, I'm used to with it. It feels different for me because again, like I'm more of in the in the modern bomb mm-hmm. realm. So like a lot of what I know about Bond, it's like it's mostly from that. So when I see like license to kill eighties bond or late eighties, really it was like 89, I think, right? Yeah, 88. Yeah. Like it, it felt weird to me, but it was also kind of cool because it almost was, you know, a product of its time as well with like the action movies at the time. Yeah. It, it's really started to feel like it was turning a corner into the bonds that we all know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I think if I, I'll probably straddle the line a little bit with Randy in that the reason why I, I, I couldn't pick this as my favorite bond is because of the fact that it's it's not as much a Bond movie as it is like an 80s revenge action movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's a totally fair reason to not put yeah. it at the top of anyone's yeah. list. Yeah, it, and Bond is great in it, and it even has gadgets, and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have a car chase, though. I mean, it kind of has. It's got a truck chase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they had to know, go bigger in yeah, this Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> boat chase? Yeah. Boat yeah. chase as well. Well, yeah. sub. He was yeah. in that little yeah, sub. that's right. So it has a lot of cool things, and there's like a lot of cool scenes in this movie, and it's great. But that's like I said, that's the reason. It's why also think- uh, surprisingly star-studded. Yeah, uh, for the '80s. For yeah, I wanted 80s. to point that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, Timothy Dalton, known more recently for Hot Fuzz and uh, mm-hmm. even Toy Story, voices a character. That's right. And yeah. then uh, it right. had Carrie Lowell was the Bond girl, and she was in Law and Order for a few seasons. A lot mm-hmm. of the earlier Law and Order seasons. Then it had Benicio del Toro in his second ever film role. Yeah, I was very surprised to see man. He looks so young. So, yeah, like so a baby. Young. insane. He was. <laughs> I, I definitely think he might have been overacting a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. It, yeah, but yeah. it kind of works. It worked for the as movie. a henchman. Yeah, and he's kind of the main henchman. Yeah, but he's like not in it a lot, which is weird. But yeah, he's kind of the main. But henchman. he's kind of a key figure because he recognizes Bond yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it also had uh, two actors, character actors, I guess you could say that we definitely know. Uh, both from Mortal Kombat later mm-hmm. on, and, yep. and uh, it was Talisa Soto and Kerry Hiroyuki? Uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa. Tagawa. Yeah. Um, 
as she was the Bond villain girl, mm-hmm. but she doesn't die. Good no, for her. I know. And she wasn't really that much of a villain. She no. was just kind of like there. accepted her standing as being associated with the villain. Right. Like she didn't seem that upset when the villain was gone. Yeah. <laughs> or or sure. when or when Bond kind of gives her the cold shoulder. I think she was just like, that's fine. I'll just shack up with the new president. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I inherited this villa. Yeah. That was, that was like a really weird end. She's like. Mm, eh, all right yeah she gets like like, absolutely just dropped she's thinking like oh it's gonna be me and james for eh," and he's gone and (laughs) literally jumps out of her life and then uh for like almost no reason wayne newton yeah i couldn't figure out i was like who is this next guy that looks like wayne newton and then i I was like oh it was wayne newton (laughs) one of my notes was what the hell is wayne newton doing here (laughs) yeah he played like a cult leader yeah (laughs) holding uh telethons that were like the covers yeah yeah he was like he was like a front Man yeah, for the organization, basically. Yeah, but I, I was, I was very much like, who is this guy who looks at, like a black-haired Wayne Newton? What's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so, what were some of our favorite scenes in Lions, guys? Oh, the um, well, Benicio del Toro does um, overact a lot, like I said, but it kind of works for when they're kind of taunting. Was it? I can't remember if they were taunting Felix or Bond. I think it was Felix. When, you know, he's really worried about his wife and like, don't worry, we gave oh. her a nice honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Okay. Yeah, I was going to point that out because that made me laugh really hard yeah. for the stupidest reasons. Because, again, like, I went in totally blind with this movie because, like, Ducey had told me about it and everything. And then I didn't realize it was it was more of a grounded Bond movie mm-hmm. in a way. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, right? Like, as grounded as it could be in the gritty. 80s. Yeah. yeah, it's grittier. But, uh, yeah, and, and everything, but, you know, so that, that made me laugh. But I was really shocked that, like, he was only in there for, you know, a handful of, of the, of the runtime. Um, but, yeah, that... that Made me laugh really fucking and, hard. And it, what I noticed was, you know, after I watched The Spy Who Loved Me, and then I followed it up that same night watching License to Kill, and I was like, oh, here, more, more evil sharks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, the really, those movies really loved feeding people to sharks. <laughs> See, what I'll say that's different between The Spy Who Loved Me and this one was that that was like a great white shark, and The Spy Who Loved Me was like bull sharks, which... I guess I would rather have a great white shark eat me than a bull shark because it's I feel like quicker. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I feel like I would have like punched the crap out of that small yeah, shark. Have and, a like, I mean, it, it, I would definitely be all screwed up, but like I, I'm, I'm gonna hurt, get that thing a hurting, and it's gonna leave me alone. <laughs> but aren't bull sharks the ones that aren't? Uh, you know, they, they don't really hunt humans. No, they're great uh, white. Fairly is, docile. Yeah, yeah they're and docile. Mo- versus great white don't. just will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I would say one of my favorite lines is the the part where it's at. I won't. We'll go through the more more of the movie, but just get to this line. It's at the very end when you know Bond kind of looks like he's he's on the ropes and Sanchez looks like he's about to kill him. Oh and, yeah, and uh, you know Sanchez is like, "You could have had. We could have had everything." Yeah, and then Bond's like, "Don't you want to know why?" And then that, <laughs> that was like the cool scene for me. That was, I oh, it. once you know, I'll point out uh, that I did really like was with Q. It was, I think it was towards the end. Oh, where he's the best. He's great in this movie, but uh, he had a broom. They was just like sweeping yeah, yeah, the side of the street. Yeah, he's sweeping the side of the street, which is already kind of funny to begin with because you know it's like it looks like he's trying to be incognito and then it's even better when he when he tips the the bristles over and he pulls an antenna out yeah Yeah. that's like his radio like a foot long antenna (laughs) and isn't he wearing a mustache like a fake mustache yeah it just looks so ridiculous (laughs) and the the street he's sweeping is just cobblestone dirt yeah yeah Yeah, uh he was the best like he was awesome 
it was probably I was asking this yet last night, but was it the movie that had the most Q in it? Probably. It felt like I don't. Some of the new ones, lot. he's pretty well featured because nah, not like this. But though. this, well, like, he's a part true. of the plot, like helping Bond actively. Yeah, out on the field. He's like a part of. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he does that in a lot of the new ones because, too. Because uh, because M couldn't officially do anything. Yeah, because he but he uh, still wanted to help Bond, obviously. So he tells Q to just go take a vacation. Yep. And they happen to be vacationing where Bond is, yeah. and then that's when he gets all the gadgets and everything. Which this one had some pretty cool uh, gadgets ahead of his time, like the camera. Yeah, that got put together as a sniper rifle, and the laser, and Polaroid. then it had a, uh, <laughs> it had the palm reader, which you see yep. later in Daniel Craig. Yeah, that was I was gonna say that too, and I was gonna say that's one reason why I would put it as more of a Bond movie than say like some of the early Daniel Craig movies before Q. Mm. Is that like it actually does have gadgets that yeah. he uses throughout the movies, which are really cool gadgets. He had the toothpaste uh, plastic explosive, <laughs> the the Polaroid that shot a laser out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also took X rays. I think was what it yeah. was. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah, um, which I thought was awesome. The I would say the the Bond girl who what was her name the blonde. Girl, the, the the oh his counterpart was uh Pam Bouvier yeah Pam oh that's right that name what made me laugh that, yeah Simpsons yeah she yeah. reminded me a little bit of like Triple X yeah but then un- she was just a, a former like army pilot, pilot yeah yeah but unlike Triple X she does uh, instantly make out with Bond yeah within like five minutes of meeting him <laughs> that was that was the thing I didn't get about in this one was that this Bond is probably the least um womanizing yeah you know? and they yet, all come to him and yeah all the women immediately fawn over him <laughs> yeah. when they look at him yeah because they look at him and they're like oh he's hurting i can fix him yeah <laughs> yeah it's true yeah that's exactly, that's what, exactly it what it is yeah and one of the better parts in it is when um when bond is gonna go to sanchez's house and get with the other bond girl the oh yeah yeah and then bouvier finds out about it and she gets really upset. And the best is when Q finds out about it too. He just kind of has this expression of like, oh, come on, Bond. <laughs> Could you just not do that? He's like, now I have to explain to her. Yeah, and then he kind of just tells her like, hey, this is kind of what he does. You, know, you yeah. have to be okay with it. This was uh, another movie that, like the last one, uh, briefly mentions his wife. Yep. Uh, because yep. Felix's wife wants to just give him the garter. And he's like, no. I don't and know. Felix was like, no, no, no. He's been there before. Yep. And, yeah don't do that then she does it anyway and i think that's what really makes bond do the revenge i think even more than lighter being maimed is his wife being killed yeah it really sends him into this revenge mode is because he knows what it's like to lose a wife yeah and and his best friend just lost and and it seems like not only is it his best friend you know wife but they seem to have a pretty good yeah they must have had a history maybe they got introduced or something that way but they definitely have a strong relationship with each other too so it was it hit him hard and that was cool to see so, any uh, famous big scenes you guys liked in this? There's a lot of really cool scenes in this movie, but any like scenes in general? And we talked about lines. Um, I, I know we had the the same one. We were talking about it earlier, but the the scene where he kind of interrupts the exchange of money and drugs. Yeah, yeah, and, takes it all. And Bond not only does he manage to hijack the plane, he does so after destroying all the cocaine that was a lot it was a lot of cocaine like he was just viciously stabbing away at these pallets of coke just making sure it gets absorbed by the ocean yeah i'm sure some fish had a great time (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then and then he takes off with the plane with all the money and i was like that has got to be the the biggest middle finger baller move yeah (laughs) (laughs) completely 
take, I was took him down. I, I was really surprised by that scene because uh, I didn't expect this to be our drugs to be such a focal point of the plot of this movie. <laughs> so yeah. when that happened, I was like, oh wow, like they're really going full eighties like Scarface almost. It's, yeah, it's definitely the most adult. I would say even more than the Craig Bonds and some of the stuff well, that happened. It is because it's more it's more like violent for the sake of violence. The eighties that 80s. Well, yeah, I was about yeah. to point out. Do you guys think that sort of a response to how eighties movies were like ladies like with Predator, you know, the Stallone was. movies, yeah. all those Robo like they Cop. had. Robocop, yeah, like they feel like they had to reach that bar of violence to to. What, what was rated? Because was this the PG-13. first one PG thirteen? Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. And that was back when like PG thirteen was basically R. Yeah, in it was a lot close to an R because it much. was like very new at that time. It only I think eighty two or three is like when. Um, or like mid eighties is when the PG 13 ratings came mm-hmm. out. So it wasn't very new or it wasn't very old and it was kind of taking the place of like a between R and it. So there was a nebulous kind of what is PG 13. Yeah. Which, this could have, if that hadn't existed yet, this could have easily gotten an R at that point. I was going to say, it seems like it could have been an R and they just scaled it back because they, you know, they can't make it an R movie. It would have been a lot more restrictive for people. Like yeah. the, there were the three most violent scenes were, when Felix was getting attacked yep. and then pulled out of the water all half eaten, um, the boat owner. Oh, yeah, that getting was, decompressed? Yeah, decom- decompressed and then just popped. That was crazy. And then Benicio del Toro going into the, the Coke grinder. Yeah, those are by far the most grisly scenes. And I'll, I'll In say. All of the series, not yeah. just the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. I'll say the, the part where uh, his name was Crest. He, he was. Oh, like, yeah. He was kind of like. Sanchez's middleman for America. He was the front for getting the drugs into America. Yeah. So basically, Bond ends up convincing Sanchez that Cress has double crossed him. And yeah. It, really, it was a really cool way. That was smooth. Yeah. It was super smooth. <laughs> and it, it was very Bondy uh, to do that. And then so Sanchez is going to kill him. And the way he does it is he puts him into a decompression chamber ratchets up the pressure as hard as it can go and then cuts the airline in it yeah and immediately decompresses the room so then uh crest just explodes like uh blows up to a literally explodes <laughs> and it's they show everything yeah it's <laughs> crazy they show him expanding and exploding and then exploding <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that was crazy one of my other favorite scenes uh like i said uh, i like the one that randy pointed out but the other one was just how Bond, once he had the money, he shows up at Sanchez's casino yeah. and just starts winning a huge amounts of money on purpose yeah. to get noticed. And then he just gets pulled into Sanchez's office and meets him face to face like, hey, uh, I want to join you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He plays eight person solo blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just like, it was just so... Uh, cool that he was confident he didn't have any covers yeah he was totally up front with sanchez like yeah i'm former mi6 what what are they going to do about it i want to join you now mm-hmm. but it's still to double cross him any other famous uh, i have my scene but i'll wait and see if either you guys say it or if there's one but i know my favorite scene oh uh, I, I it's hard for me to think of my favorite. my favorite scene was the one that i mentioned yeah because i just thought that was just so cool my f- um i did like I, I i mean like in the sense that it was just so ham-fisted and funny when Bond discovers Felix, like, you know, he's like half eaten, but he's oh, yeah. still alive. Oh, yeah. And there's a note on there that says he disagreed with something that ate, ate him. him. <laughs> yeah, so ridiculous. <laughs> um, my favorite scene is where I imagine the inspiration for Fast and Furious came from. Yes. But, I know what but, you're going to yes. say. Yes. So the, the final act is Bond chasing down Sanchez in these giant semi-trucks. And there's so much stuff that happens. But one of the last parts is there's this fiery inferno that's blocking the road and there's like wreckage. 
And the only way that Bond's going to really be able to get over it is that he's going to have to somehow get over this wreckage. He's not going to be able to go through it. And the fire. And the fire, yeah. So the, And he can't get... Yeah, he doesn't want his tires to get on fire or anything like that. So he somehow... I, I don't even know how he does this. This but, is physically impossible. Yeah. yeah. He somehow <laughs> wheelies the 16-wheeler rig, yeah. wheelies it over the fire. Yep. Nothing happens. It was the... And I think Bond's music starts playing when yeah. he does it, too. It's like... Da, 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 it's da, like da, da, one da, of the da. only times in the movie that the Bond music plays. Because it's like, this is a Bond moment. You yeah. have to have it. And so that... <laughs> That for me is like if you're gonna say why this movie is the best, that is like you can go back and say, well, here's a Bond thing that happens because this is such a only Bond would have yeah, that happen. For as grounded as it was compared to the others, they finally still threw in a Bond moment. Yep, <laughs> it's like Bond makes the impossible possible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was also right before that in the chase when they were gonna fire the stinger at him. Oh, and he yeah, puts the eighteen wheeler on <laughs> yes. on its side. Oh, that's wheels. right. Yeah, he, he was nine wheeling. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he like Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins it. <laughs> yeah, and it was a long time. Too. Yeah, it was yeah. So stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, and it was funny. Was it before the stinger missile shot? Yeah, because it was supposed to dodge it, right? Like yeah, it went under yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was like a couple of seconds. It's like, well, why didn't you just aim over towards it? Like, I know. I was like, I, every time I use a stinger in a video game, I just adjust my aim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. It was really funny because it just, it was ridiculous. They could even, it was even possible. No. But they, they, they literally rode that because it's just, yeah. it was a wild. Yeah. He coast on those like nine tires. It was yeah. so silly looking. And but then, it was great. And then he up, one ups it by doing the wheelie. A wheelie, too. which is impossible if you look at how the the chassis is on yeah. an 18 wheel i look yeah i was like how it's it's thinner in the back and small there's no way you can well, do this and those two well, back tires bend. are connected yeah yeah, yeah they, they don't bend yeah that no was just possible like, it was the weirdest weirdest wheelie and then I, one of the things i love in that too is the the henchmen guys who are following in the truck are like well we can do that yeah and then there's immediately die yeah. <laughs> so, you're not bond yeah <laughs> can't do that and then Sanchez, obviously, his death is pretty brutal too. Yeah, it's set on fire. Yeah, in like a really bad like fire scene. Yeah, that was a it was a pretty brutal movie in, in general. But yeah, um, all right. So, any final thoughts on? I'd say it's the the least two. typical of all the James Bond movies that we're discussing today. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you done? Uh, I would say it's it's a really fun '80s movie. It's awesome. Yeah, and I think it's very reminiscent of that time. And it's I I, I don't know where I would concerted as the bond way right because it does have bond elements Mm -hmm. but i think the because it's like it feels so damn 80s and just over the top that's kind of what makes the whole movie for me Mm -hmm. uh but (laughs) it's it's a fun watch it's worth the watch for sure yeah Yeah. i I agree yeah and like i said at the beginning the reason why i just can't pick this as my best bond is because it it's it's more of an 80s movie with bond as the main character than a bond movie in whatever time it is and that's that's my only critique of it uh but it's it's definitely a movie of its time what about you deuce um i'm i like i said to start off i picked it as as the favorite because it's definitely what we get now with daniel craig Mm -hmm. just brutal down to earth but still has bond moments and they were doing this kind of ahead of its time because goldeneye came right after this and it was still kind of down to earth but with a few more bond moments and then they were starting to devolve into wacky Bond yeah, moments. Yeah, like parody almost. Yeah. yeah and, and, that, and that's where License to Kill came in is because they're like, okay, we're relying too much on yeah. the Roger Moore era you know, shenanigans. Yeah. And, and it's funny to see them start to do that again with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, because even Living Daylights, which was the first one, is pretty gritty too. It's not nearly as... Like, it's gritty and it's very um, geopolitical. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy to watch this movie. Uh, thank you for bringing it to the table for us. It was great. 
And so that means that we're going to go into the next movie. Please. Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of quinoa lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. You know, I'll have one of those. So will I. Certainly. My friend, bring me one as well. Keep the fruit. That's it? Hmm? Anyone want to play poker now? Someone's in a hurry. All right, the next movie we're talking about is the best James Bond movie yet. <laughs> now, you know yet. how we were always talking about the things and, and the, the boxes that you have to check to be a Bond movie? Well, throw them out. We, we're, we're starting a new list right now. After the, I guess you would say they're kind of failures at the end of the Pierce Brosnan era. Where once I would again, call that a failure at the end. Where once yeah, again, yeah, oh, people were getting burnt out on the reliance on silly gadgets and uh, kooky plots. Eye-rolling one-liners. It was we like get, nothing but yeah, one-liners yeah. in some points. Or, and, and die another day with like the invisible car and, and all these things. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> <laughs> Denise Richards playing like a rocket scientist. Oh, yeah. And so we finally get to 2006. Daniel Craig debuts as James Bond in the movie Casino Royale. And the synopsis is as such. Recently promoted to 00 status, James Bond takes on his first mission in which he faces a mysterious private banker to world terrorism and poker player Le Chief. Along with beautiful treasury agent Vesper and the MI6 man in Montenegro, Bond takes part in a high-stakes poker game set up by Le Chief in order to recover a huge sum of his client's money he lost in a failed plot that the British spy took down. 007 will not only discover the threatening organization behind his enemy, but the worst of all truths... To not trust anyone. So, when this movie came out, so before this movie came out, there was actually a lot of negative backlash against Craig. Daniel Craig being mm -hmm. Bond, which we would also see later with like Heath Ledger being <laughs> Joker, where yeah. people were immediately anti-this, and then they get proceed to get blown away by it. So, the reason I picked this one is, you know, after the uh, Die Another Day, like the it seemed like the Bond franchise was flailing. So they come along and they decide to base this movie off of the original novel of James Bond. The Ian Fleming's first very, James Bond work was Casino Royale. Yep. So they decided we're going to go ahead and we're going to reimagine this in a modern setting. And there's a lot of things in this movie that they ignore. For, I'm sorry. A lot of things in the previous movies that they do not do in this one. They really started to slowly incorporate a lot of those cliched bond elements throughout the movies and it was usually more in like a wink and a nod way they didn't want to fixate too much on it yeah um but this movie i feel like it is the best acted movie in the bond series uh the, you know skyfall is up mm -hmm. there too yeah but this every single character is so perfectly cast in this movie the vesper eva green is probably the most fleshed out bond girl we've ever had the villain while he's not the greatest villain, Mads Mikkelsen, like, we know who he is because of his performance in this movie. We had Jeffrey Wright coming in as Felix. And, you know, that that's a big thing for me. Being able to watch a movie and not... There was not a hint of cheesiness. The gadgets that he does have in this movie are far more practical. 
because, you know, why do you need an exploding watch or something? Which he <laughs> does get later on in, in a Daniel Craig movie. But, you know, it doesn't have those crazy gadgets. His crazy gadget is the fact that he's got something in his blood that's able to tell them exactly how they're going to be able to administer first aid to him oh, with, yeah. inside of his car. So there there was some and gadgetry, but they were, it was far more practical. I think that this movie has probably the... For me, by far the most entertaining from the beginning of the movie to the end of the opening song. Because the black and white intro, where he's basically acquiring his second kill to be considered a double O agent, Mm -hmm. is just so cool Mm -hmm. and so well done. And then we go into You Know My Name by Chris Cornell, and that might be the best, like, graphically uh, Mm -hmm. credits. Like, it's really entertaining. And then after that, here we are, we're in this new James Bond, a little grittier, not, uh, not relying on the cheese of certain eras. And, and we're just building a new foundation for what James Bond is going to be. And I remember when we all, when this came out when we all watched it, what, what were we doing after that? We were, we were up all night playing like Texas Hold'em because of this. Oh movie. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's the only Bond movie I saw multiple times in theaters. And it's just still holds up. I watched it for the first time in maybe like 10 years or so. And I was still blown away. Like there's, there's nothing in this movie that drags. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. How, how do you guys feel? Um, I mean, just like you guys saw it opening day, loved it. Uh, the, you know, as much as I, I, I think we all kind of play poker after it, it has some of the more ridiculous poker hands in the history of movies. Oh, for sure. But I think a lot of movies are guilty of that in general. Yeah. But this one was, I mean, I get it because you, you got to have hands that are going to cause suspense, but that people who don't play it can understand why it's suspenseful. So I get why they did that. Um, and obviously Daniel Craig is a great bond. He, he, he really exudes that bond confidence. This is like a bond begins kind of movie, a deconstruction. Yeah. So Actually, he didn't really have the confidence Not yet. at first. He had like uh, fake confidence. Yeah, I guess, you know, like he uh, he ar- hadn't arrogance. earned it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so I like it. I I think that uh, just like with License to Kill, it sometimes goes too deep into the era that it's in, where you had you know movies like Taken and Born and those kind of movies that are like. I don't know, modern spy movies. And yeah. I, and I, I think it does that because that's what the audience wants at this time. Right. They had a lot of, like you said, born. They had a lot of choreographed fight dancing. Almost. Right. And, <laughs> and that's fine. Like I'm not, again, I'm not hating on it. No, no. I love Casino Royale. Uh, but I think better. The, what, <laughs> if I'm saying like why I don't put it as a best bond movie is because he's not bond yet. He's, becoming bond and by the end he basically becomes bond yeah. um but it's a bond origin story so that's why i, I can't put it as the best one but well, I mean, it's that, still great that's exactly why i love it like oh, sorry. you think about who we are always talking about there's the bond girl there's the femme fatale and then there's the unfortunate soul that yeah. just hooks up with him or doesn't hook up almost hooks up with him yeah and they end up dead so when that happens with the girl that he meets on the beach that he's trying to get closer to his her boyfriend yeah yeah and he sees the result of that you can see that there's He's not okay with this yet. This he's, he's learning. This he's yeah. learning. Like this is actually kind of affecting him. Unlike previous bonds, where it's like, oh, what a shame. But yeah, <laughs> right. I, and I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I'm just saying that that's the reason why I can't put it as the best Bond movie because it's him be- becoming Bond. He's not Bond yet. He's becoming him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you no, when but when it first came out though, I definitely it immediately jumped to my mm-hmm. top two or three Bond movies. A million percent. Yeah. Um. But it was, it was like you said, I remember 
when my dad saw it because he was the big Bond fan, he was like, "This is weird. This is like he's not Bond. He's more born." Yeah, which is true. And then um, I just recently learned that my my dad likes uh, Skyfall a lot. Yeah, I thought that once Casino Royale kind of turned him off to it, it was it was done. But no, he likes the later ones when they start incorporating more of the Bond stuff back into it. Yeah. Um, but this one, it does a great job as being an origin story. You never knew you wanted a Bond origin story until they told it through this. Um, which is weird because the book isn't a isn't an origin story. He's already been in the in the service for a while. It just happens to be the first book. Yeah, I think that they just they just knew that the you know, they've gone to the well too many times with yeah. James Bond and, and keeping a constant continuity as if it's like, you know, the Simpsons, they haven't aged in 30 years, yeah. 30 plus years. I think they knew that they needed a reboot and that's where we got Casino Royale. Like I said, it lays the groundwork for a lot of the Bond qualities that slowly start to trickle out. But what they didn't want to do is they didn't want to like force you some cliche mm-hmm. scenes. And that's what I really appreciate about this film. Well, you done. Yeah, for me, um, again, I do recall always seeing this back then. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I, I definitely had been at the point where I think Die Another Day, I don't recall what year that was. It must have been like 01, 02, somewhere around there, right? Like, yeah, yeah, so I do remember being not quite burned out, but I remember being really underwhelmed by Die Another Day. And I liked Terminal Dies, from what I recall. Uh, World is Not Enough, I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was that bad either. Like, I think it gets maybe, you know, it gets it has a bad rep, maybe too much of a bad rep. But yeah. I think Dino Day is generally not great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, it's bad. It's, it's bad. And then I agree with everything what Rainy said. I was about to point out. It's like this felt like a, a, a reboot that had to happen mm-hmm. because they realized that like after Dino Another Day, like you can't go back to what they were doing before. Movies have changed since then, just in that four years. And for me, this movie, everything about it was uh, was really like an action movie, kind of refined. And it was an origin story, but it was really good because they're also trying to reintroduce you to Bond and say, like, everything you know about Bond, forget about it. This is now what we're trying to pivot Bond to. And it's worked. I mean, from 06 to 2021, they've had that formula and it's been established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, he still has some of those same Bond qualities. He does have that that charm and he can deliver a good sly line. And he has an amazing chemistry with, the, with Eva Green playing mm-hmm. Vesper. Because she can do the exact same thing to him, and you can see how it affects him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I would say, too, that the, the big difference with this, at least from what I recall, is uh, compared to the earlier Bond movies, so like like Brosnan ones, is that um, there's a much there's a very different atmosphere with these movies. Like, it's less, you don't hear the music swell as much. Like, even, like, one of my favorite scenes is basically the poker scene. I don't know crap about poker. Like, I've played it yeah. a handful <laughs> of times. I really don't know anything about it. But despite not knowing, you know, what's going on with the hands or anything, they made that scene really tense with just what was going on there, yeah. right? So it's like when you point out, like, yeah, these hands are so stupid. I was like, no, this is, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I see <laughs> the sheep with the blood, right? And, like, for me, like, the clacking of the, uh, of, like, the, oh, know, the tiles. Oh, the tiles. Yeah. Uh, the sheep's little hand gimmick he does with the, the chip, right? Yeah. Where he's, like, rolling across his knuckles. All of that, like, it, it, to me, it felt like they really wanted to take their time with all of these scenes yeah. and really give you that sense that, like, this, there was some sort of tension going on, like, Bond really might have his life on the line. You're tr- fr- trying to figure out what the hell the sheaf is. I love the racially stereotyped poker players that were all around oh, yeah. the whole time. <laughs> like, here's our typical Japanese poker player, and here's this black Did one player. have sunglasses, too, or did it color? Because I feel like that's always a trope, remember. is, like, they have to have some 
guy with like sunglasses yeah. at the poker table, and he's like dressed all wasn't, weird. There was an African guy. Yeah. And then uh, wasn't there a Chinese woman? Lady. Or, yeah. 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 Old Chinese, like, lady. Yeah. Old yeah. Chinese lady. Yeah. Like playing pie gal. Kind of <laughs> Which I guess is like some way of saying like this is that big of a, it's a worldwide event that all yeah. these people from across the world have flown or traveled just for this game. Well, they were all, weren't they all like gang leaders it, it and, was, it was and yeah. mafia only types. It was the event, essentially. They were just looking for anybody who's willing to gamble $10 million. Oh, yeah. Which because, is like... Because Le Chief was going to try and short airline stock, and everyone's like, why are you doing that? It's not going to go anywhere but up. They're unveiling a new prototype. Yeah, he well, was... he was doing that because he had someone that was going to go bomb that prototype and blow it to smithereens and then watch the stock price go down and, and then his funds go way up. Only he didn't account for James Bond showing up <laughs> and ruining that plan. He right. loses all of that money, and now he's got these this dangerous organization after him, well, which even, is why he sets up this high-stakes poker tournament. I don't even know if he's... Does it make it seem like he's more nervous about uh, the organizations that after him or the, the African... Both. Like, warlord he lost. Guy? He lost the money of the, the warlords that were investing with him, yeah. and the organization is going to come after him because he's using their money to... To, to buy, buy it in. in. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll say it. I don't know why Bondus doesn't take him in in the beginning of the movie. Because like, they were they were trying to get all of the money winnings. They didn't want Ant Terrorists to be funded anywhere. But don't even do it. Just get him. Okay, then whoever wins the, the tournament, the other organization comes in and just kills them and takes their money. No, no, I mean before the tournament. Just take him in at, <laughs> before, the, before the tournament starts. And then where'd all the money go? It doesn't matter. You don't they, need that. They'd never be able to access the money then. No, who cares? He just you just need him. He has all of the connections. Yeah, I don't think it's that simple. <laughs> no, it's really not. Well, I think if it was that simple, they would have made it that simple exactly. at the same time. And also, I would not watch this movie if it was like twenty minutes long. Well, or no, whatever. I mean, I get, I get, why, I get. Ultimately, the reason why is because the movie needs to they, happen. They yeah. specifically, well, they do specifically state he needs to have nowhere to go. Yeah, but he, are, he needs to be know that okay, he can't run away because here's this organization. I can't go there because there's this organization. I guess I'm gonna go to Her Majesty's. I'm gonna Secret turn Service. state's evidence. But but yes. he, he was already getting attacked by African warlords halfway through that tournament. Yeah, okay. and and they knew that there was still people that are gonna be scouting this and taking the money, which they totally did. Like if, if someone else had won, if someone that was not Bond or the Chief won, and you'd think like, oh well, now they have all the money. No, they'll just be turned up dead a few days later. That's true. And their and their bank accounts <laughs> yeah. empty. You know what was funny too was the the code that he has to put in to put in the the money yeah, in the, the beginning. Pin. I was like, this is a crazy expensive thing. They're putting in millions and millions, and you're gonna put a six digit code as your yeah. as like your passcode for this without even a symbol or a capital <laughs> yeah, letter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. not a captcha. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, I mean, the banker is there in person verifying yeah. you are this totally this guy that's yeah. this up. Yeah, that's it's picking. not like it's just some kid on the street that no, just guesses yeah, it. That's picking, <laughs> that's picking nits for sure. But it was just kind of funny that like this huge bankroll is, is a six digit combination. Uh, you pointed out Mads Mikkelsen, Randy, and uh, for me, like I don't, I don't know where I'd put Lashif in terms of a of a Bond villain, but in terms of villain actors, I think Mads Mikkelsen is definitely oh, one of my favorites I've he's seen. Incredible, because he's yeah. just an incredible actor to begin with. Like he was really great in Hannibal. Uh, he's you know he he plays like those really low key kind of quiet characters. Yeah, yeah. but it's perfect menacing. for Lashif. Yeah, menacing, right? Yeah. Because you don't know much about him. I think that's what really made Lashif work was Mads Mikkelsen because. I don't know if I could have put any other actor in that role and make it work like he did. 
Yeah, he was kind of like, I guess the best way to describe it is when they say like a wounded animal is when it's at its most dangerous. So you kind of get that with him. I, I do kind of get what you're saying a little bit where he's not really like a traditional Bond villain in that he doesn't have like a, his goal is to live. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, his, that's his only goal. So, and it makes him very dangerous because of that, which is true. But he's not like a megalomaniac. Exactly. He kind of, exactly. he would have been if that thing happened, well, but it didn't. It's also, we don't know it yet in this movie, but he... He's just one of many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. part of Quantum slash Spectre. Yeah. So, so, and that was the whole point of the early Bonds was that like Dr. No and other people were just numbers to yeah. Blofeld and he would just send them out and do his bidding. Right, yeah. They were they were the, the minor bosses to the major boss, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, but I did really like, he was awesome in it. He mm-hmm. was so good. Yeah. yeah. And um, another reason why this is my favorite the like I mentioned earlier, the chemistry between Bond and Eva Green is prob- maybe the best element of this film, because a lot of a lot of those old Bond movies, you would wonder like, okay, why is why is this Bond like? I understand being attracted to James Bond and all that, yeah, but like uh, in A License to Kill, for instance, there's a thing where it's like, but James, I love you, and I'm like, you met him like yesterday, yeah, like, <laughs> it was like you had. Like a quiet conversation before you had to part. Like, <laughs> Love it for sight. Where is this coming from? And you don't get that in Casino Royale. Like Bond is kind of immediately smitten with her because they... not because of just how she looks, <clears throat> but because when she comes in and she is fully prepared to shut down all of him, anything that he's got to say, she she can just shut him right down. Oh yeah, and it just completely disarms him, and he com- he's absolutely in love with her. They do a good job of. Because they've rewit- rewritten the the past, he's no longer married. But they yeah. do a good job of her becoming the reason he turns cold mm-hmm. and yep. becomes like just sleeping with the women to get what he needs and doesn't care about anybody until later. There's a <laughs> yeah, like when when he first saw this movie, when he won the tournament and he got by the sheep and everything. Uh, did were you anticipating her turning on him? No, like, they, did you no. they set her up that she's going to be Money Penny. Yeah. Like, they even kind of say it in the beginning, you know, I'm the money every penny. And, yeah. like, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. she's going to be so Money Penny. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they swoop the rug out from under you. Yep. And it just leads to this just heartbreaking scene of where even though she was basically going to ditch him and take all the money to go pay off people so that her, the love of her life would, would live. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even through all that, Bond is still doing everything he can in his power to to save her mm-hmm. until she basically like locks herself in the cage as she's drowning. Mm-hmm. And you watch this whole thing, and it's <clears throat> sorry, it's it's fairly uncomfortable because you're you're watching her and that she's just drowning right in front of you, and you're you're just your heart breaks for Bond right there. And it's a slow scene too, right? And that's yeah. the thing because uh, or was it like a um. It was the canals in Venice. There you go. I was going to say, I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. So it was like the canals of Venice. So it's, you already know it's like submerged in water pretty much. Yep. But I remember that scene just being, like you said, Rainy, really wrenching because it's not like it's just she falls in and drowns and dies. Like it's it's Bond like desperately trying to save her. Yeah. And she's just slowly sort of sinking in that like elevator cage. Yeah, she gives mm-hmm. up. Yeah. She just you, said, yeah. That, that look in her eye as she looks at him like this, he's still trying. Yeah, like, I'm not going to make Even it. after all this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another example where I see like everything is just sort of refined and very. Um, what's the, I'm going to say that you, I'm going to use the word calculated, where yeah. everything it, it took its time. It didn't want to rush to anything it was trying to introduce you to or establish, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then after that, you know, you get him kind of in denial about his feelings, like you know when he tells M 
Like, you know, what do I care? Bitch is dead. Oh, yeah. And you, you can tell he does. And it finally leads up to him tracking down the person that had taken the all of the money, shooting him in the leg, approaching him, and say, saying for the first time his classic line, I'm Bond, James Bond. Yeah. yeah. For all intents and purposes, it sets up the next four movies. Yeah. Basically, that you, death sets When he puts on the suit, it's like... Batman or Superman finally putting on the cape. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think you said, was it, you said, Mike, was it Bond Begins or something yeah, like that? Bond Begins. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great yeah. descriptor for it. Yeah. That's uh, exactly how I felt too. Yeah. <laughs> so, any, anything else we want to talk about this movie before we. Well, what was your favorite scene, B? Um, well, I will say my, well, my favorite scene, oh, man. Okay. Well, the, the parkour scene <laughs> is probably the most cool. iconic and it's really cool. There are, there's like a basic weird part about it where in the beginning he's like, don't kill him. We have to take him alive. And it's like going out, like really going on this guy for trying to kill the bomb maker. And then by the end of the scene, he's just like, all right, well, whatever. I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. And it's like you like 20 minutes ago or five minutes ago, you were saying how important this guy was and how much we were going to take him alive. And then you're just like, yeah, no, no, no. because the option was not take him at all. No, I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, he was it, in the consulate. Was... He knew there was no way of getting him out. So, right. all right, forget it. Just I'll pop him and get out of here. It was just kind of funny. And like even M berates him for oh, it. M, like, of you know, for, really well legitimate reasons yeah yeah definitely <laughs> uh but that scene's cool and the parkour was just hitting the scene back then and it was really cool to see and um really well done yeah how about you um i'd say one of my favorite scenes was uh actually it was the part where he lost and you didn't expect mm-hmm. that to happen <laughs> and the bar. and uh yeah and he goes, uh, and there's that part where he says his famous line, like, I, I'm on a martini. And they ask, yeah. do you want to shake it? He's like, do I it look like I, I care? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, it was a good way of portraying that he has all of his Bond confidence that we know him for. He just sucks still. Yeah, he doesn't like, have the skill to go yeah, with he, it. He, he made the, the biggest mistake in this movie was he trusted. Yeah. Because he only loses that because he told uh, Vesper... And who he thought was, what was the name of the other guy? Matthias. Uh, yeah, Matthias. Something like that. Yeah. Mathis. Mathis. Mathis, yes. And um, he thinks that it's actually Mathis that was the mole, but it turned out it was Vesper the whole time. Oh, yeah. But they basically ratted out Bond knowing Lefschief's tell, which was the most obvious tell there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. What about you, Don? What about you? Uh, I go back to the poker scene. Like, it sounds kind of dumb, but I. I, I I don't know why I love that scene so much and why it's so memorable for me. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed like the tension of it. Uh, you had they do a good job. Oh god, what's his name? Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Is that the actor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought he was great. Uh, and again, like it was so focused on Bond and Lashif. Like I feel like I don't know. I feel like everyone else would say like that was probably a boring scene, but for me, like it just felt right where it was. No, they built you know? the tension like, really well. Yeah, yeah really like cool. it, and it's like I would. Yeah, it was really established. Yeah. Um, I did like the, uh, the, the car. I think that was like, was it the DB12? DB, I don't know. DB, cars yeah, DBS. DBS. And it was brand or not. Yeah, it was basically It was brand pretty new, new at the time. I remember it being a big deal. Like there's a lot of news outlets and online, like showing the new Bond car. Like when that was a thing, like there's like, this is a new Bond car and all the gadgets it has. Yeah. The Aston Martin was Bond's car. The, the original DB5 from like the fifties and sixties was like his car. And then. Oh, and he. 
This was a great intro to that. He won it in that poker game. Yeah, and it was like slowly, so it got slowly phased out. And by Pearson and Braun, he was doing just BMWs for some reason. So they introduced, reintroduced the Aston Martin uh, DBS, which was brand new at the time, 2006. It's a gorgeous car. And it looks too. amazing, yeah. yeah. Too bad they don't ever do anything with it. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, he, it revived him, right? At the, <laughs> he oh, yeah. yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> which was another cool scene, too, because I, I forget, what was it that, he it, got, was he getting injected with something? He got poisoned. He got poisoned, poison, yeah. So it was... It, it's a little silly and over the top, but it's cool that like the car has that though that gadget to like, revive him in that case. That's what I mean. But I mean, like at least those gadgets are thoroughly practical. Gadget, yeah. like, the, gadget. The, the, <laughs> why would you not send your spy in with this equipment? And it and also it, has the best line when he comes. I was back. say it does lead to the only Bond line in the entire. Yeah, movie. like sorry, last hand nearly killed me. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is wild that he just comes straight back after dying. Like he died. Yeah, there's no there's no residual effects from just being you know yeah, shocked yeah, and yeah, revived. Yeah. Basically, his, yeah. His immediate reaction when he. Gets jilted in because Vesper comes out to finish the job. Oh, yeah. And immediately, as soon as he pops up, eyes open, looks at Vesper, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he just a little smoke break. He was fine. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene, and it's tough because like I, there's really not a scene that I don't really thoroughly enjoy in this movie. It is when Bond and Vesper, they're on a break from the poker tournament, and they basically, they're following Lashif. And oh, that's yeah. when Lashif is being secretly attacked by those, whatever nationality they, they were, that, that, that military. Yeah, yeah, it was just some vague African country. Yep. And they're threatening him. But then when they, they notice Bond specifically that he has an earpiece in, so he must be an agent, they open fire on him and Vesper. And it leads to this like really close quarters fight that ends up in the stairwell. They go tumbling downstairs. Bond eventually get, kills both of them. And, you know calls in to map this that you know i left the bodies down here come get rid of them but um in most bond movies after this scene where you save the the damsel in distress that's when it's sexy time and <laughs> in this bond movie and apparently it was originally written to be like that but daniel craig insisted no she's she just saw all these people die in front of her uh she's she's gonna be traumatized and it ends with them She's just sitting there in the shower, still in her dress, and Bond just sits down next to her, still in his tux, and she's just holding him, and, and you think, like, oh, okay, she's traumatized and all that, but also, she's massive, feels terribly guilty, because look how close this guy just came to dying mm. because of a situation that she's that really she responsible up. for. Yeah. And I just thought it was just a really incredible Bond moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It was it was definitely again a deconstruction of the Bond tropes, um, which ultimately makes this movie not the best Bond movie because no. it's a deconstruction <laughs> and not actually doing Bond. No, it's redoing Bond. It's doing Bond better. Doing Bond justice. Yeah. Building Bond better. Making, is that what he said? making Bond great again. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, Maba. Oh no, Baba. Maba. <laughs> yeah, Maba. Um, all right. Any final thoughts on the movies, guys? Before we move on. I would say it's a fantastic movie. I think Randy's it's fully great. within his rights to say it, it could be the best Bond yeah. movie. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then that'll take us to our last Bond film of this group. The function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. To James. All 
All right, fellas, we've come to quite literally the ends here. Yeah. And uh, yep. for me, this movie, uh, it is, you know, it's quite the culmination of Bond in perhaps the most literal sense. It was 2021's No Time to Die, uh, directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga. He produced and directed things like uh, True Detective. He did a movie called Sin Nombre, which is uh, it's about a Honduran girl and Mexican gangsters, uh, their journey across the U.S. border. And he also, I, this was interesting to me, he co-wrote the 2017 Stephen King's It, which I wouldn't have expected oh. to be connected to this movie in some way. <laughs> so this movie had a uh, box office, or excuse me, a budget of about 250 to 300 million. It earned 775 million, which is bonkers numbers to me. I don't know how to fathom nearly a billion yeah. dollars. Well, I don't understand it considering when it came out. Well, it there, two years ago, well, it had a lot of delays too, right? Like that was also I the mean, thing. I mean, there was still mm-hmm. theaters were still reeling hard from COVID. They yeah, were, but it was right when theaters started opening up again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was like it was one of the first big movies I think with like Black Widow. That was like kind of yeah, yeah, post pandemic. When I I remember seeing it in theaters and they still had chairs taped off. Oh, there like, you go. You couldn't See? sit next to someone. Yeah. Up. yeah. Uh, so the the gist of this movie is that uh, James Bond, he has left active service and he's living his life in Jamaica, much like anyone else would after they leave, you know, they retire. <laughs> uh, and then uh, while he's in Jamaica, his old CIA buddy, Felix Leiter, I believe it's, it's uh, pronounced, yep. he shows up and asks for help. And uh, it turns out that they have to rescue a kidnapped scientist and there's much more to the story than you expect. It's not so similar to Rescue the Scientist. The scientist has developed some uh, nanobot, nanobot bioweapon called Project Heracles. And this uh, weapon is specifically made to kill members of Spectre, if I have that correct, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie has, you know, it has uh, Rami Malik, I, I believe his Rami name Malik, is. Yeah. yeah, Rami Malik. He was in Most Robot, which I really like. He also was in a Bohemian Rhapsody, played for Eddie Mercury. Yeah. He plays Oscar the main winner. villain here. I'm sorry? Oscar winner for that. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did win an Oscar for that. Uh, and this movie's just for me. It's 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 a long movie. That's the first thing I'll get out of the way. Like I think it's just under three hours. At like two hours forty five, two forty seven. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I saw this, um, I try not to get hyped about too many movies nowadays because it's <laughs> I'm pretty critical of a lot of them. And when I watched this, uh, the runtime was like kind of overwhelming in a sense. Like oh geez, like this is a really long movie. But I loved every single minute of this freaking movie. Uh, to me, this was them taking everything they learned from Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace and all the, the Daniel Craig movies, and they made the best Bond movie they could while also, you know, sort of ending Daniel Craig's career as James Bond in here. Uh, so for me, like, this was an easy choice. I know it's, like, probably the safest one because it's most recent. <laughs> but for me, like, I really loved a, a well-paced action movie. I think this is, like, a fantastic action movie, and it's also a fantastic Bond movie. I'm with you guys. Yeah, I'm with you. What do you think, Aaron? Oh, uh, I agree. I didn't get to see this one in theaters. I couldn't get anyone to go with me. So I did. I do remember watching it after getting my uh, booster shot. <laughs> I just watched it on demand at home. And I, I had a great time. I made sure that I watched all the Bond movies. I, maybe I didn't watch Casino Royale, but I, def, I think I went back and watched like Skyfall and Spectre mm. and to lead up to this. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And... Um, yeah, not much more to say other than that. <laughs> yeah, for me, this uh, I really like Rami Malek, but I will say like him is a I think it's pronounced Safin. Yeah, Safin. Uh, it's weird. Like I like Rami Malek, but I didn't think Safin was like a really formidable villain or a bad guy. Like he he was you know a humanized person because he didn't kill the girl at the beginning with um, Madeline Swan. Right, she had a daughter. Yeah, he went to go assassinate her, and the, the he almost like the dog. He finds all the daughters there, and then he ends up not killing her because she falls into the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me, like one of the, the scenes I really loved was, um, they're trying to distract his name's or Orobuchev. 
uh, Orichev, I think is a scientist drafter. Oh, yeah. Who developed Project oh, Heracles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, like, one of the best scenes in the whole movie is when they extract him. Like, there's that whole fight scene in the, um, I think it's like a villa or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it reminded me of, like, the Merovingian <laughs> fight in Matrix, right? But not, <laughs> oh, so, not yeah. as over the top. But just because there's a lot of stuff going on, and, like, they're trying to extract him and not kill him because they're trying to, you know, get rid of Heracles. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they get him out. And then the irony is, like, he ends up getting killed by Heracles because they, they dump him in, like, a pool of nanobots. Um, yeah. And then the movie ends with Bond like being infected, and then there's just this giant explosion on the island that he's on that says, "This is it. There's no more Daniel Craig. There's no ambiguity. Like this is the last era for of Daniel Craig for Bond." You don't see him die. You don't see him die. <laughs> yeah, but he would want to because yeah, yeah he can't be he with people he loves. He himself was not infected. He wasn't going to die from the virus. He was infected with the virus that was specifically designed to kill the love of his life and his daughter. That's yeah, right. He that's was right. Just, you know what a gut punch. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially when you go through because this is a uh, continuation from Casino Royale, obviously of him becoming this cold, ruthless killer trying to get revenge to opening back up, finding love again, having a child. And then getting to the end where he realizes that this thing that he finally, that all of his hopes and dreams now that he finally got, he can't actually have. So what's the point? Like, yeah. You know, and, and he left being retired pretty much, right? Like that was the whole thing is like he could have just said no. Yeah. But he chose to fight anyway and it's, he paid like the ultimate price. Yeah. This, this movie for me, one, it's amazing. I saw it in theaters. I love it so much. I watched it recently. I was like, oh, I love this movie. Uh, it reminded me of like. Uh, a, a farewell tour, like a Rolling Stones, you know, something like that. Like best fair, of, best of all the hits. Oh, yeah. hit, doing yeah. all the hits. It's the end, you know, it's the end of the one. Exactly. Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get everything that you got in all the Bond movies. It's going to be everything that you wanted and it's going to be like a greatest hits. Um, and, and they really do everything right in this movie. They really do hit everything. They, Bond is perfect. Like Daniel Craig is a perfect Bond at this point. Grizzled veteran Bond. Uh, there's gadgets. There's some really cool gadgets. There's obviously that he has the vantage at this point. I think he drives it. Uh, he drives a couple of. Actually, he drives like the DB5 all, in the beginning. Yeah, he drives all of them. I think yeah. he does the DBS and then the vantage at the <laughs> end. So he has like all the iterations of the Aston Martin. Uh, and then like the villain. The villain, really, the villain is just the thing that gets Bond to the end. Of yeah, the movie I would say that if there's a weak spot in this movie, it, I would say it's actually Safin. Yeah. Because um, they do make reference, or the, that Blowfield's in it, and yeah. he dies in a pretty cool way, too. But I think yeah. Safin is like probably the weakest part. And I don't know if it's because of Rami Malik or maybe it's just how the character is. But I feel like he could have been like the one spot they could have improved on. His motivations are really not just weak, but like. They're almost. They're more personal than I anything else. And I also like don't really. Like, why should I care? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, that's the problem with it, really? I kind of, I, I enjoyed it in that they were building up Spectre to be the classic Spectre where yeah. the shadow organization that's always getting Bond's goat. Yeah. But this guy comes along and wipes out Spectre. It's one fell swoop. Yeah. One, so yeah. you're like, oh, wait, this is like, this is like the new baddie. <laughs> this is like the Indominus Rex taking out yeah. the lower dinosaurs or yeah. something like that. Like... But, like you said, he wasn't, I mean, but he didn't have to be. He wasn't like... It wasn't his movie. He wasn't, wasn't muscle-bound. He wasn't no. beating people yeah, up. Yeah, that's true, too. He was a creepy Cold, villain, yeah. that, that <laughs> intro was really creepy. Well, with the mask and everything? Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, as, you know, like, a kind of the analogy of a farewell tour, I think most of us knew what we were getting into when we came into this movie. I think we all kind of understood that whether or not Bond dies, this is going to be the last Daniel Craig Bond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I don't really need a good villain because I want Bond. I don't want the villain because I don't really care. I want Bond other. to win. I want Bond to win and I want Bond to do all the Bond things. So <laughs> I just need 
something to get him there. You know, that's and, all. You and that's that's a good point because I think uh, you know I didn't know how this movie was going to end, and it's natural to assume that like it's a send off, so you don't want to kill Craig necessarily or like kill Bond anyway. And it's like, well, they kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they kind of subverted your expectations in a sense. Yeah, they're like, oh, no time to die. Actually, this is the perfect. This time is the to perfect die. time to die. Your last movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so scenes and lines. Is that really going? Uh, well, I mentioned like the scene yeah. where they extract uh, Orbuchev. I cannot pronounce his name. I'm sorry. I think it's Orbuchev. Orbuchev. Or, yeah, something Orbuchev, like that. something like that. Um, and then again, his death when he's thrown in the nail box. Like it's yeah. sort of like the. Uh, I'm sure there's some sort of Greek, you know, metaphor for that of like the creator <laughs> being killed by his own creation, right? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and that, and that was like the two big ones for me. And, and it happens after he essentially threatened, does like a racist threat towards the previous 007. What, what was her name? Uh, um, uh, Nomi? Nomi? Naomi? Yeah, yeah Nomi. 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 Yeah, and then she's like, oh, you know, good point. Like, just, you're right. You you don't need this factory in order to kill all of my people. So, bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gets them right in there. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, what would you do? Favorite scene? Favorite scene is the opening. Oh, my God. It is awesome. Yeah. It's pretty intense. And From the moment God, he's, visiting, he's visiting Vesper's grave to, you know, getting blown up. And then chasing all the way back, and then thinking that Madeline betrayed him, and just the the chase on the bike, and then yeah. the chase in the DB5. Yeah, that was like bravo. I wanted a standing ovation for the car yeah. coming back and using the gadgets in the car. Yeah, the same way. The yeah, it wasn't just he wasn't just driving fast. He was got to use everything in there. Smoke screen, machine gun. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll go on YouTube and just rewatch that part over and over. It is so cool. Yeah, it is, and it's like I said, it's like someone, it's like the Stones going out and playing Satisfaction to start the show. Yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> I was say, that sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah, at that point, yeah. like you're like, this is the first scene. Yeah, like, what yeah. else is gonna happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite lines. I can't remember specific ones, but I always liked the. Um, him playing with the new 007 mm-hmm. when he goes back into MI6 and people say 007 and they both look yep. yeah, or something that like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. My favorite scene is everything that happened in Cuba. Was it Cuba that, that they go to? Yeah. Yeah. That to me, along with, I think that's, the movie kind of has two parts and I think it's the opening scene through Cuba and Lighter's death and then after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the kind of the between the, the last third of the movie and between Lighter's death, it gets a little uh, long. Where you're just like, okay, can we get can we get here? But um, that whole scene in Cuba is cool because it's a little over the top, but it's exactly who Bond is, and he does a lot of cool Bond ways to escape like situations and things oh, like yeah. that. And yeah. uh, Ana de Armas is so cool in that. She's such a great Bond girl. You wish that she would have stayed somehow through the whole movie because she's <laughs> just so cool and like. Yeah, I don't know. I love that whole scene, though. The whole the whole Cuba. Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback on that because I was just waiting to talk about the whole Anna de Armas scene where <laughs> she's basically this this rookie CIA operative with just minimal training, as she says. She says she has, like, a few months of training or something. Yeah. And then she just proceeds to just, like, rock his, everyone's world. Like, she is incredible. <laughs> yeah. She's able to keep up with Bonds every step of the way. And he even mentions, like... So two months training, huh? Yeah. And she's more or less. And they, they just have this really cool action sequence while simultaneously competing to abduct, was it Orbachev or whatever we yeah. were talking about? Yeah. But Nomi, on the other side, for British intelligence, is swooping in, literally swoops in like she's Batman, takes off with him, and they're just she- like s- trading off. Who has the advantage? She's doing the classic Bond thing of being on the outside looking in and yeah. taking advantage of everything that's happening down there. Mm-hmm. And then you have, finally there's like a very temporary break in the action and Bond, 
you know, stands up and he's behind the bar. So well, let's just pour, yeah, pour two yep. two shots and like toast with Anadarvis and. <laughs> Such a great scene. Yeah, there's that great one of the great lines is uh, when Nomi goes, I get why you shot him when he's yeah. like, oh, everyone yeah. does. He's like, Yeah, everybody does. Everyone <laughs> takes one yeah. shot or something. Yeah. Like that. Everybody tries at yeah. least once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Don about did you say your favorite scene? I wasn't sure if you said Yeah, that. you okay. asked me like twice. I okay. mentioned it right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was going around. Sorry. You're like, You really like those scenes? <laughs> are you sure this is yeah. your favorite? Just let's hear about your favorite scene. Yeah, yeah. So Randy, Tell what's us, your how, favorite how scene? the opening? Yeah. Uh, all right. So is this the and a wrap up on, on this movie? Any other final things you want to say? I would say this is like uh this, to me I feel like this is where they realize they could have a lot of fun with Bond, but also make it like a serious send off. And I think that worked out in their favor because, like, to me, all the, with the exception of Quantum of Solace, I, I liked all the Daniel Craig movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like, I was almost kind of torn between this and Skyfall. And then I grew to love Spectre a little more. But this, like I said, I was in the beginning of my whole little spiel, but this was like the culmination of, of Bond to me. Like, I don't know, I don't know where they're going to go with this after. Like, it's going to be cool regardless. But to me, like, this is. Casino Royale type exactly. of uh, reboot. But reboot. this is a hell of a high bar to reach for where the hell they're, they're going to do with the next Bond. Yeah, it's definitely the best last Bond, maybe, of any of the other. I don't, I don't know if Sean and Connor. That's last an interesting question, though. His last was. Never Say Never Again. Or... Uh, well, that. I still don't count that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Diamonds Are Forever that, was oh, his. That was, was really okay. well. The song was good, at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, Roger Moore obviously was a view to a killer. That one just had a, a great was, enemy. It, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible yeah. every yeah, other yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so I would say this is probably the best end of all the Bonds. Well, License to Kill License was to kill pretty cool. Yeah. End. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was never intended to be an end. No. Though. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So um, I really liked it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I have high high regard for it. It definitely feels like the end of a series. And I think they've realized that they can't continue to do the, oh, yeah, we're going to just kind of wink and nod at all these things that happened in the 60s. And here's this agent that's still the same age. Yeah. And carry on like the mythology. They're going to just have to re- straight up reboot, reconfigure well, the whole thing. I'll be curious if, if whatever the next Bond is, if they start referencing stuff from the Daniel Craig era, you know, like taking some of the things that they established, because that would be really interesting to see if they go that route. Yeah, because Casino yeah. Royale kind of makes you feel short that, um, oh, maybe the the whole fan theory about James Bond is actually a code name or something. Oh, that, yeah. That's they, given to their Skyfall top says, agent. Nope. But yeah, and then Skyfall, nope. Because he clearly goes to his parents' graves that say, you know, yeah. Bond on them. It's a parallel universe Bond. <laughs> I I want them to, because they keep going back and forth, is the next Bond going to be a black actor? Is the next Bond going to be a woman? Yeah. And I was like, you why not have a woman, like, have his daughter grow up. Yeah. So she still James has Bond the name. <laughs> Jane Bond. Or, Jane you Bond, know, whatever yeah. the daughter's name was. And then have her join the service. Yeah, I think one of the uh, I've heard Daniel Craig talking about this, and his argument about doing something like that is instead of switching Bond into that, why don't we make a movie with a female lead that is just as good? Like, why does it have to be? Well, Bond, they already. I, I mean, mm-hmm. the 007 in this is a great actress. Yeah, continue her story. Did you see the outrage that happened? Oh my god! Over, yeah, and she wasn't even Bond. No, <laughs> she just no, happened she just to be the 007. Yeah. yeah, for a and, little and bit. She got she, the number. She got fed up with it so quick. With the confusion, it was just like, can we just call yeah. him 007? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the outrage on the internet over her being yeah. the, the one was like a huge deal. It was it well, was, the internet's just notoriously fragile to begin with. Yeah, so the that, trolls I, out we there. could we we probably saw that coming before he's even noticed, 100%. right? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I would totally watch a, a Nomi movie where she's yeah. 00. 
08 and yeah i would and they, they just you know they reference i that think 007's like retired no one's gonna have that call call sign again i'll just yeah. say most people would because if they release it in the theaters you're not gonna see people complaining about it that yeah. much you will but there's gonna be like the you know the quiet minority like always or the vocal minority excuse me All right, then, getting into the end of this episode, then, as always, we are going to pick one movie that rises above the rest, one Bond film that we think exemplifies what a Bond film is, what it means to be Bond, what we think is the best Bond. And uh, the only parameters for this is that you can pick, you have to pick one of the other people's movies. You cannot pick your own. You can only pick one, obviously. And just, you know, whichever one you think, again, is the best Bond film. Um, I guess we'll just do the same order that we did for the releases and we'll go mine first and then all the way around. So my favorite bond of the ones that wasn't mine is going to be license to kill. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I didn't think about, I didn't think it was going to be at first. I do think that it's a little too of its era. Um, obviously I have my favorite. That's my favorite, but I think it's a little too of its era, but I do think that of, all of the films that we've got, it is Bond being Bond. It has a like, and, and I think that Timothy Dalton mm-hmm. is the is a really good Bond. I'm bummed that we didn't get more movies with him. Yep. I think he's a great Bond. He looks like what Ian Fleming kind of imagines Bond to be. He acts like Bond really well. Um, it had cool gadgets. <laughs> didn't have a car chase, but did have a truck chase. Yeah, and it had uh, the the bad guy was cool. His motivations were really simple. Yeah, but they were cool. I really liked him. The henchman was kind of non-existent. That's the only big. I would say the big problem with it. Uh, and I would say that it was still, like I said before, an action movie, an 80s action movie with Bond in it. Maybe not so much a Bond movie, but I would say out of all of them, that one was my but favorite. But that's great if you like 80s action movies. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to say License to Kill. Uh, so I was next based on that, and I'm going to pick No Time to Die. Interesting. Uh, Casino Royale was up there for the longest time. But they were getting better and better, and Skyfall was then mine for a while, but nobody brought that one. <laughs> and so No Time to Die definitely took the takes the cake for me. Like, Even though they killed him off, uh, it's a great way to go out. Yeah. All right, I'm up next, and, and this is going to be really interesting because my pick of the four that's not mine, which is the best, <laughs> it is The Spy Who Loved Me. Let's go. <laughs> wow. So we got we got quite the conundrum here. And Don didn't see The Spy Don. Who Loves Me, so we Don, know it's going to be Don's pick. That I, 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 I'm about to bring I'm, my I'm hammer down. To, I'm ready to protest whatever he says unless he says the right answer. <laughs> because oh, be I think he only saw like License to Kill a uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. Well. Anyway. Go ahead. Well, and, and, why did you pick? Why did you pick Spy Who Loved Me? We can, uh, we can because you. for the reasons that I I love uh, Casino Royale, like the opposite is true of the Spy Who Loved Me. Like I do love that it leans on every single blonde Bond <laughs> cliche. And he was blonde. He, he yeah. was a blonde Bond. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> like the only the only knock I have on that whole era of films, uh, you know, aside from some of the overly cheesy elements is just his age like he's older than connery isn't yeah, he yeah. gets real old at what yeah he's, i think he was yeah. the oldest he, yeah, he, he was, was in his late 50s by the yeah 
Yeah, he was in his 50s, like, when he first got cast or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty old. So that's, like, really it. But The Spy Who Loved Me is great. Great henchman, great, all right villain, great lair. Outstanding Bond girl, great song. Great song. It, it just hits all the notes for me. Yep. All right, Don. All right. It's perfectly appropriate that I'm sort of the, the breaker here, but I have to go with Casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Oh my gosh. I enjoyed License to Kill, but there are better 80s action movies out there. Yeah. Uh, it's an enjoyable Bond movie. I like the song. I think it was by Gladys Knight. Yeah. Right? Nice. Great. But for great. me, like, uh, also, I'll, I'll say this too. There's a little bit of sentimentality with Christina Rock because I saw it with all you guys as yeah. I first saw a Bond movie in theaters because I don't think I'd seen other Bond movies. Oh no, maybe I saw Die in the Dying Thirst. I can't recall. Yeah. Either oh. way, uh, Casino Royale to me was, uh, it's a great reboot in general, for, for just anything. Yeah. And then they did everything right with Bond. Uh, I, I'm i obviously biased with Chris Cornell. I love Chris Cornell and Star and Gavin, so I think the song is fantastic, despite what a lot of people may say. Uh, there's just a lot of elements in this movie that I like and I would rewatch. whereas License to Kill, I yeah. saw it, maybe watch it again, but it's just an okay movie to me. Like, it's fun. There's a lot of cool stuff in there, but if I had to pick between, if someone was to say, like, if Rain was like, well, you want to watch Casino Royale, License to Kill, I'd be like, well, Casino Royale, like, I have to go that route. <laughs> yeah. Look, here's how we're going to do the tiebreaker because I just, I think this would be a good tiebreaker. Okay. You're going to do a matching golden or something? No, no, no. Here's, here's how it's going to work. Yeah, well, that would be great, right? Go by tomato I win. No, no. We can go by a lot <laughs> no, of no. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to use the song from each person's movie. So mine is Nobody Does It Better. Um, yours is License Kill with Gladys Knight. Yours is so You Know My Name, you know my name by Chris Cornell. And then. I can't remember. Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. Okay, so I was gonna say I'm not even gonna vote for that one. I don't. I don't remember what the name. <laughs> it's of the, a fine no song, but it's not a great one. No time to die, and, and it's it's understated. It's pretty good though. So we have No Time to Die by Billy Eilish. We have License to Kill Gladys Knight. We have Know My Name by uh, Chris Cornell, and then we have Nobody Does It Better. Um, so, but I'll, can you? You can't vote for your own. You can't vote for your no, own. Again. You can't vote for your oh, own. Oh, so I couldn't vote anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, I am going to pick License to Kill. Uh, again, uh, you, um, mm. because I no. Here's why: as much as Cornell's song is great and it's better, it's a better song. But hers is a Bond song. It's a it's totally to, a Bond song. It's a Bond mm-hmm. song, and that's that's the only reason why I'm picking it over the others. It I would pick mine, obviously, if I could. But hers is a Bond song. Uh, Cornell's song is really controversial in the Bond world for whether it's like good or bad. I think it's great. I love yeah. it. I listen to it not ironically. It's that great. Yeah, it's a good song. But it's a great singer. But uh, like I said. Hers is, is a Bond song, so I'm picking License to Kill again. And it's catchy. And it's catchy. It, it's actually evocative of Goldfinger a little bit. Yeah, it's got it's a, you a lot of the tropes that you hear in Bond yeah. songs. All right, Deuce. For pretty much the same reasons, I'm picking No Time to Die. But <laughs> it's it's well, good. I'm, it's I'm it's not, because... I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to be tie-breaking again. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. we, we were discussing, are we going to get to these topics? Well, no. by process of uh, trying <laughs> yeah. to find the, well, let's the best see. of here. Let's see. Let's see. We Keep just going. might. No, Keep so, going. yeah, I'm picking it because um, it because nobody brought Skyfall. I would have picked Skyfall. That oh, is, yeah, that's for a great sure. That is a quintessential I love that song. It's up with Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. Nobody Goes Better. So, but... Next in line for Bond songs would be now Billie Eilish, the way good. what she did it's with that. Good. But I also am the same way with with uh, you know my name. I listen to that not as part of a Bond mix. Yeah, it's just great. It's <laughs> you might have had that burned on a CD back then. Yeah, probably. yeah exactly. <laughs> All right, Randy, you cannot pick Chris. For I I cannot, <laughs> and that's okay because I am picking one that would be easily considered the best by some people. Yeah. Guess what. <laughs> The spy who loves me. <laughs> Nobody does it better. Yep. <laughs> I love him. Like, I, 
as soon as he said his answer, I, I knew where this is going, and I'm here for it. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, why? Why nobody does better? Uh, it's in the name, isn't it? Yeah. Like it, she really Carly, just crushes that song. Great. Yeah, Carly yeah. Simon really just shot that safe way a lot. So good. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. That's why for I couldn't pick it. I was like, shopped at Safeway too much. It's uh, it's <laughs> too much of a Safeway commercial for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, right. So, so Mike's point kind of. So I have to say this. Subjectively, I, I probably would go with Chris Cornell. Yeah. But but since we're sort of speaking to Bond, right? Like what makes Bond yeah, Bond? Exactly. I have to agree with Mike in that since I have the choices here <laughs> okay. because I. Well, the thing is, I don't remember the the Billie Eilish song. Mm. I, like, I don't really. No, you can't pick it anyway. Yeah, and like, and yours. I can't pick it anyway. So I, I'm sure I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I would have picked Adele first for uh, Skyfall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think with the you know sort of the, the criteria we have, it has to go license to kill. Then it's, it's okay. <laughs> like like I love you know my name. I, yeah. I, I I just professed it, but it's also one of those things where it's like between those two songs, what sounds more like a Bond song, mm-hmm. and the Chris Cornell song sounds like a song trying to be a Bond song, right? Or like a Chris Cornell song that they're just rapping around Bond. Basically. Or it could be yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think a lot of the songs are like that. Living they are. I was a little bit like they that. are, but yeah. I think mm-hmm. you know, License to Kill is like is like Mike says, it's more of a Bond song than than Chris Cornell's is. Yeah. Oh, I, I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, so then that means that the best Bond movie. <laughs> no, is... stop the count. Stop the count. <laughs> well, it's also it's also <laughs> the least um, the, the least rated. The lowest rated Bond film. Oh no, second lowest rated Bond film next to a, uh, a View to a Kill, and the least grossing Bond film yeah. of all of them next to a View to a uh, View to a Kill is second. Yeah. This is the first. The least grossing Bond film is now the best you, Bond uh, movie. Are, do you mean to tell me that our tie breaking uh, can't vote for yourself uh, thing is? more accurate than hey, you all want... these other reasons why it's not the best Bond film. <laughs> yeah. hey, you could have picked anybody else. We didn't get the Bond, uh, Bond villains hey, or Bond yeah. This is, this is Bond why girls. you bring a guest into the store. And, <laughs> yeah. and you also wanted a consensus whereas it could have just been like, alright, these are all great Bond movies. Yeah. They're cool. You know, yeah. No Time to Die is probably and, the best and one. And let's be fair. These are all great Bond movies. Yeah. Yeah. Watch them all, but uh, License to Kill is the best. And because there must be a consensus, that's where it lands. Honestly, I think there's three great Bond movies and one good Bond. Three great Bond movies, one good Bond movie. And And I do think that License to Kill is the good Bond movie. (laughs) Of of the four. (laughs) Not according to everything else. Not according to the consensus Oh, everything else that we just glossed over (laughs) that Mike just listed? I'll I'll just call my brother Bob. He'll just tie break not knowing anything. Bob, pick one of these. No, we can't. We can't. We already decided. He'll pick Quantum. It has yeah, to be. Yeah, he will. He'll pick something else. He'll so pick he'll like, What's that day. movie? Yeah. What was the Nightfire? He'll, he'll just pull yeah, the game. game. Yeah, the game. All right. <laughs> so with that said, this is our Bond episode. I hope you like it. Please go see all of the Bonds, uh, Bond movies that we picked because, again, they're all great. There's a bunch of them we didn't list. Go watch them all. They're all really great films. So any last final words before we send off today, guys? Yeah, you're all crazy. That's, 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 oh, uh, yeah. No, I just... Uh, Thank you for having me on this episode. I, I just knew when you guys were starting this podcast, I was like, I should definitely be on a Bond one, and sometime in the future, a Back to the Future one. Yeah. Look out for that. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That'd be, <laughs> so That'd be a fun one. Yeah, that would be great. Do the trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Anything in Doncho? Uh, my name is Van Damme. Don Van Damme. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <Ba-na-dun>. <laughs> Your name is Dam. Don Van Damme. <laughs> All right. And with that said, this is the Hollywood Video, guys, and we are out.